This is the Horrible Podcast with your hosts, Andy Foster and Lucas Peterson. Totally not a robot. Welcome, everybody. We're talking about Cannibal Holocaust today. First episode? Episode number one. Episode one. Here we go. We watched the most fucked up shit we can find in episode number one. Right off the get-go. Uh-huh. Here we go. Yeah. Thanks for joining us all today. I made Lucas watch some depraved shit for this one. (laughs) We're ready to roll on this. And if you're rolling with us, you know, follow us wherever you get your podcast from. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Spotify. Yeah. We'll be all over. Follow us on Instagram. All right. You know. Facebook. Facebook. You know, those where everybody fucking goes. Okay. (laughs) Just fucking go there. All right. Now the serious stuff, right? Yeah. Okay, so this film is a little bit more yes. serious. Yes. Now, uh, we do want to add a disclaimer at the beginning of this. Uh, we're we're talking about a pretty fucking depraved movie. There's a lot of parts of this that are rough. Uh, definitely some sexual assault. Uh, there's a lot of brutality, a lot of violence, a lot of gore. If this isn't your thing, skip to the next episode. Next episode's a little... Well, it's got the gore. But it doesn't have a sexual assault. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And we're not trying to trigger anybody. We're not trying to... We're certainly not endorsing any of this behavior no. in this movie. It's not our thing. You're going to hear, if you yeah. listen on, that the animal torture was yeah. big for me. Big for me as a trigger and a jarring kind of incident. So if that's not your thing, no. totally get it. Just yeah. skip ahead to this one. We just started with this one because it's one of the more alluring kind of films in this genre it's certainly well known so again if that's not your thing go ahead and skip and on the technical side you can blame me and andy has punched me 15 times before we started that's a fucking lie (laughs) that's a fucking lie don't let him tell you that the technical stuff i kind of messed up i got to eat the crow for this we sat down and recorded a whole episode and wearing headsets and then didn't realize the headsets basically weren't on it was kind of a setting thing. So the audio is a little bit shoddy, we will say. Certainly it's intelligible, but if you don't like it, go ahead and skip to the next one. And I apologize. We'll probably come back to Han- Cannibal Holocaust at some point. So, again. Now, that's if you can consider anything we say intelligible at any point. Well, so that's, yeah. that's fucking, that's up in the air. <laughs> there is that point. <laughs> All right, so without any more, let's just get right into it. Enjoy this episode, and if not, we'll see you on the other side. I'm Andy Foster, and uh, my co-host is Lucas Peterson, and uh, we both came up with this idea of a podcast to actually explore horror movies, um, maybe... Uh, specifically some of the more controversial films, but I think, you know, the more we go along, the more it's going to be, uh, you know, about general uh, films, um, you know, classic films, the video nasties, right? Uh, uh, see, That's a new term. Video nasties. <laughs> video this nasties. was not explained to me, sir. We'll talk about it a little bit. Talk about it a little bit. But uh, essentially, I'm, I'm a big horror movie nerd. I, I love horror movies. Uh, I think everybody uh, that I work with new people I meet, eventually it comes out that I'm a, a horror movie nerd, and I've probably beat people over the head too many times with that. <laughs> Megan's like, will you watch something else? <laughs> um, for everybody, Megan's my fiance. But uh, uh, I know uh, 
you know, it was really kind of stemmed from a lot of conversations we had and me telling you about these, uh, you know, new movies I watched that are just gross or, you know, like really interesting, you know, things that I've come across. And so the idea kind of came around that, you know, you having not seen these, we would actually screen it for you, right? You, you take the time and you sit down and watch this movie. I feel bad for your Megan, uh, whom you had <laughs> seen watch on this one. But, uh, uh, you know, essentially sit down and, and have you watch these movies, and then we come back and we talk about it. That being, you know, um, uh, myself knowing a bit about the movie, obviously doing a little bit more research on the back end, and then you having completely fresh eyes, uh, get kind of your normie take on it. That's what we were saying earlier. Normie is in, you're not, you know, big horror movie nerd like me, so no offense. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not. I, like, I will self-describe myself as that. My extensive knowledge of horror movies is not, mm. you know, there's nothing there. That's that's normie level. It's I might level. be like, you know, your general late 80s, early 90s ones. I might know something about, but this stuff, these movies we're talking about, nope, ain't got shit. Video nasty. Yeah, video nasties, uh, yeah, okay, apparently. Mm. So, all that being said, the formula we've got here is I'm going to view this one time, look at this film one time, fresh eyes, and then immediately following, we're going to talk about it. Mm -hmm. You've viewed this, who the hell knows how many times, or whatever <laughs> film we chose, and then you've done your research, so you've got this inside info, and you just get to watch me freak out over here mm -hmm. as I react. Well, I mean, I'm not watching it now, but as my reactions come across. So, first one we did, Hannibal and Cannibal. So very close, close. Very yes. Close. <laughs> That's another game, which is great. Which is great. Uh, yes, the very first film that we decided to talk about was uh, Cannibal Holocaust, as it is really kind of one of the most uh, controversial films of all time. Um, there are a couple other movies that have popped up that have really pushed the boundaries and are getting, I would, you know, most people probably say pretty close to, or if not worse than this one, but I think. Uh, there is so much controversy around uh, controversy around this uh, when it comes from uh, the actual perception of the film at the time of its release, even till now. Um, and it remains to be a big influential piece for a lot of you know directors out there now. Like Eli Roth specifically talks about how much you know he loved uh, *Cannibal Holocaust* and used it to influence movies he's made. Uh, so still to this day, mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, I'll say the most recent interviews I saw with him were probably mid two thousands, uh, or actually might have been around his time of actually making *The Green Inferno*, which actually, uh, if we want to dive on in, it was actually a working title for *Cannibal Holocaust*. Eventually, they decided on *Cannibal Holocaust*, I think, because you know the name is a lot more controversial. But you know, uh, that being the case, it was a you know working title for Ruggiero and then eventually they, they decided on Cannibal Holocaust and that's why Eli Roth did that. Okay. Made his own Cannibal. And so, just so everybody knows, if you've not seen this movie, yes. well, we're going to spoil it for you. Yes. So if you keep listening from this moment on, you're going to be spoiled. Yeah. So if you want to pause it right now, yeah. come back, watch the movie, go check it out, and then come back, whatever. Yeah. Or, if you just want to be safe, <laughs> I'm just going to lean a little bit into my inklings on this film and just listen to us and listen to my reaction. 
sad. That's okay too. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah. but seriously, like you're not going to watch this or listen to this podcast and not have us. Yeah, there's some there's some parts in here. We'll yeah. just quote unquote that. With that too, I don't know how much you can really say. I'm glad you started with spoilers. That's great. It's something I always forget about being a big nerd. Um, but uh, it's you know. Uh, 40, 50 years old at this point now. No. Is it that old? Yeah. 77. Oh, 77. 77. So that'd be two years older than me. Thanks, oh, Andy. no, there you go. <laughs> we I were trying to talk about ages, but... I don't care. Whatever. Uh, no, uh, his work goes into the 80s. Okay, that might have been the info I got confused on, because I thought I looked it up and it was like 83 or something, but now late 70s seems a little bit more appropriate, especially with, you know, just following the end of the Vietnam War... The way it all starts, it has a very feel to it, a very much of that feel, that genre, that era yeah. to it. So, actually, I'm an idiot, and I just googled it, and it's eighty. <laughs> it's not an eighty. That is the kind of research I put into this uh, before. Okay, so that's as old as I am. That's okay. Whatever. <laughs> Almost. Uh, I mean, I, I have my month and a day in the seventies. So. There you go. All right, but it does uh, in the 80s, so... Yeah, okay, so it came out in 80, mm-hmm. and was it released worldwide? Was it, was this, first off, a theatrical release? Now, that is really interesting um, topic in, in and there of itself, in that uh, it wasn't picked up by any studios at original release. And I feel like that's, that's something that's pretty common with, um, with a lot of, I guess you'd call them indie horror movies at the time. Some of them would have studios attached to them. Others were really just directors with a uh, vision that would record, or you know, would actually film these movies and then release them at local theaters uh, until they started to drum up some, um, you know, attention. And then a studio would pick it up and run with it from there for more grand uh, release, which is, you know, uh, I think in some cases it's the same as now, right? You know, you know indie films. You yeah. Know, you, at Sundance, you play things like that, and the studio picks it up and runs with it. Or, you know, you get the other side of it where it is, you know, a director has an idea and is attached to a film, you know, those sorts of things. Yeah. I'm just going to start off with my overall impression to begin with. Okay. Before we get into the nitty-gritty details on this. Should we give the synopsis first and then, so that people who are watching know the idea of the story? Okay. Let's let, okay. Andy's going to give a synopsis, kind of. Not spoil anything. Well, we'll no, obviously spoil. spoil. It. Well, we'll spoil in in our fuller conversation about it. We okay. just give a general idea of what the film is. And All right. And we'll talk from there. Let's do that. But to like you said, you know, earlier, for those who have not seen it or maybe are even hesitant or specifically refuse to uh, see the film, but want to hear other people's thoughts on it, <laughs> <laughs> probably a better idea. Yeah. <laughs> the the story specifically begins with uh, this professor. Professor Harold Monroe actually assembling a rescue team to go into the Amazon uh, to save a documentary crew that actually go missing um, in their attempts to uh, locate and film a pair of lost tribes of cannibals in the Amazon jungle. Um, uh, as they're going through this whole risk- rescue mission, um, you know, you definitely don't, don't know whether or not they're going to actually find the crew or if they're just going to find the footage, whatever it is. Uh, essentially, they uh, do recover the footage, and we begin to find out that the documentary crew, specifically the, the quote-unquote director of the film, uh, Alan Yates, will actually stop at nothing to get a story, specifically even if it means creating that story himself. 
Yeah, that was, like, good, yeah, that was a good. pretty good synopsis, and you gave a good uh, overall to it without giving away mm-hmm. anything of what happens. So now, mystery. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There was a little mystery in what you're describing. You're like, oh, okay, that sounds interesting. You know, I could, I could maybe watch that. And mm-hmm. I, okay, I get it. Like, you can get about mm, 40, 50 minutes into this movie without it being, I would say too bizarre Mm -hmm. and it seems like oh okay this is just these people went missing they were trying to film a documentary and then this other guy this professor goes out on a rescue mission goes down there and you know they could do a good job of showing like you're going into this deep amazon jungle shit's going to be dangerous you can't bring a lot of things Mm -hmm. we have a guide we have guns there's all kinds of creatures and Mm -hmm. poisonous things if the environment doesn't kill you we might have to worry about these people we run into. Mm-hmm. We're not really sure. But it's it's just, okay, we're, we're going to go ahead and try and save these four documentary makers along with their guide. So they're out there searching for these five people, right? Yep. And then shit gets weird. Mm-hmm. We'll just say. Mm-hmm. And it starts <laughs> with the unfortunate killing of a turtle. Mm-hmm. No, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. It didn't even start there. There was a part before that mm-hmm. that was... See, I didn't find that part. Something happens before that. The woman by the river. Mm-hmm. So that they find this woman by a river. Mm-hmm. And there's a man there and he's dragging her. Mm-hmm. And then he stops and he forcefully sexually assaults her. Mm-hmm. And then beats her to death. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, okay, well this is a movie. Mm-hmm. It's You can clearly tell that it's you know made up, whatnot. It's graphic. It's gory. I mean, it's not like her brains come out or anything, but the sexual assault part is a little bit hard to watch because he, oh, yeah. you know, he assaults her with a rock, mm-hmm. which is a phallic rock, we'll say. Mm-hmm. But that part's, eh, you can, you can stomach that. Like, that's okay. But the fucking turtle, man, mm-hmm. like, I can't even hold back. They fucking really killed, sorry for the double Fs, but they killed <laughs> a turtle. Mm-hmm. And you start watching that scene, and you're like, oh, okay, this is animatronic, whatever. You forget the kind of time frame, obviously, because we're 40 years past. But they cut the turtle's head off. And most animatronics don't no. make the turtle's legs move in exact... <laughs> yeah. Dude, that was gut-wrenching. Yeah. Because nobody doesn't like turtles. Yeah. You know? Especially... Sweet-looking river turtles, right? Yes. It, 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 the we're not talking about a small box turtle that you get in your backyard. We're talking about a, a sizable, maybe two foot long. It's big. Uh, yeah, river turtle within the Amazon uh, just kind of reminds you of the sea turtles. It makes me think of Finding Nemo. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it did look like good almost one. whatever. Granted, I think the river turtles smooth. Tough. That's why it definitely looks a little bit different. Yeah, it's different than a tortoise, mm-hmm. you know, but it's still, like, it's huge. It's yeah. this big creature, and I get it. They they kind of preface that this, I did notice earlier, because they were getting to a point where they had seen a last camp from the people that they were trying to find. And they, mm-hmm. oh, they must have just been here because they had a turtle shell there. And the guide said, they use this to make their food. Mm-hmm. So they must have just been here. There was a fire that was out, but mm-hmm. still barely smoldering. So you see the turtle shell. 
there and you, and you know he's, he says that and they're like oh okay and then as soon as the turtle comes on however much time that is later if it's 10 15 whatever minutes as soon as the live turtle comes on in my head i'm going okay obviously they're going to use this turtle to eat and then make their own food and i get that like as and again we have to clarify this is the documentary crew not the rescue mission so mm -hmm. they've now found the, the, the rescue mission has found the documentary crew's footage mm -hmm. and they're reviewing it. I'm jumping ahead a little bit probably. But they've found this footage and they're looking at it and they, you know, kill this turtle. Yeah. <laughs> and they actually killed a turtle. Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. So they, they do take some time to pull the turtle out. There's a cut in the middle that it, you know makes you think there's a chance that swap the turtle out for something animatronic uh, but then all of a sudden you know, machete comes down lobs its head off and uh, it's it's pretty jarring it's pretty jarring it, it, it hits you like even then I, I don't think that wasn't so bad right like I'm thinking you know uh, well could still either possibly be animatronic but then you also think you know they're gonna eat this thing so it's you know it, it makes sense that you're it for your food if but, you're doing it to survive yeah yeah now uh that being said all the animal cruelty in this movie is real like everything to this is absolutely real and it really kind of hits home when you catch this part uh because <laughs> it is pretty amazing and it's like it's a few minutes yeah. like they go through mm -hmm. a few minutes of them cleaning yeah. and not dissecting that's not the right word uh, but taking apart Cleaning, you're right. This I, turtle it makes me think of right a deer, a buck. Yeah, I mean, like and they, they do eat it in the film. Like they do, they do show them eating it. But you know, somewhat at that point, you know they're reviewing this footage, quote unquote. But you know that this was a movie that was made, and now they've just killed this turtle for nothing to show that these people had to eat it. You know, mm -hmm. and. Man, the rest of the vibe after that is completely different on oh, yeah. that film. Oh yeah, yeah. I uh, being so savvy with horror movies, you know, watched you know all kinds of horror movies that have a ton of that you know gory side to it. Even this one, tough for me. Tough for me. Uh, you know, thinking of you know, I can watch people get murdered. Yeah, you know, in, in films, not not actual stuff. I will say, especially with <laughs> yes. this, a lot of people thought this film was a snuff film uh legit you know like you were saying um, you know earlier about the studio releases and things like that in the uk um it eventually got banned because it was on this uh, you know studio picked it up it was on this little uh like circuit local theater circuit and uh, so people were thinking that they actually filmed uh, the snuff film and then circulated through the uk which is in, in part why it got picked up as the tag of being a video nasty um but that makes it that the turtle scene is is so jarring because you know, you know all the other gruesome parts are pretty um uh it's it's not as obvious right like yeah. you know, there's you know the blood is all that kind of like red acrylic with the color yes yeah. yeah. you can tell yeah but when it gets to the turtle scene it is it is graphic it, it is very graphic it, it, like you said a couple minutes of them really gutting this camera it, it almost makes you wonder it's like why film all that you could do you know lop the head off and then you know jump cut to a to the group eating yeah. you know 
meat on a stick or tissue, like. whatever. And yeah. that's what they do. And you know, who the hell knows what they actually ate? Maybe you know. Yeah. What they actually ate. But <laughs> no idea what they were I mean, I couldn't find anything reporting saying what they actually ate. Let's see. But it's the actors there, and they actually got these people yeah. to do this to a turtle. Yeah. Uh, I'm so glad you say that because actually, multiple crew members were, were sick after the scene. Actually, including during the scene, right? The, the, the girl. The, the female character. Um, so the character, yeah, yeah, Faye. That's right. The Faye. character's name is Faye. Yeah. Um, but you actually see her physically throwing up on camera. No idea whether or not that's that's real or not. I, I didn't really see any reports saying whether or not that was real. But um, for certain, uh, there were reports of Jack, who uh, is the blonde character, uh, blonde male character with the with the chips mustache. Yeah. Right. Um, and there were reports of him actually crying, like that, you know, sobbing after the scene. Um, and uh, another. You know, bits of information that I've seen around that they were saying that um, they tried to allude to it being kind of an improvised thing, right? They came across a turtle, happened to do that, but uh, apparently, when you take a look at the screenplay, uh, these scenes are actually all the scenes of animal cruelty are actually written into the film. Wow! And then, even then, on top of that, when you go back and watch some of Ruggiero's other Cannibal and Evil Jungle film, Jungle Holocaust specifically, there's a lot of animal cruelty in that one as well setting up animals to fight each other and things like that. So um, Ruggiero wasn't, wasn't one to steer away from. Actually died under that animal cruelty. So. <laughs> wow. It's, I mean, and it, it, yes, I get it. That was 40 years ago. I don't care if that was 40 years ago or, you know, four minutes ago. It's awful. It's horrible to watch. It, it's just, it's so brutal. Mm-hmm. If somebody, like we just said, somebody has to do that to survive, I can understand that. Mm-hmm. But... The fact that we're watching these people just do this for a fictitious yeah. movie, you know, but they're trying to get that authenticity, yep. you know, they're trying to get that. And I think Real that's, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's kind of where he was going with it. Because what you have at that point, they're watching this footage that they've taken, these silver canisters that they found after they found the mm-hmm. film crew, the original crew, the rescue mission that they set out for. Well, they found them, mm-hmm. and they found their canisters, mm-hmm. and that's all they found. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and they have to barter for it too. Yeah, so they, right. They need, uh, was it Professor Monroe has the tape recorder with the music on yeah. it? Yeah, things that he's picked up from you know the tribes and um, you know played it back for him, and they freak out and end up ultimately bartering his tape recorder for <laughs> you know for the canisters of the group, and um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think the turtle scene itself is really, like you said, uh, right, you know, you know you've got to do things like that in order to eat and survive for sustenance, but you don't really want to see how the sausage is made, right? It's yeah, like... <laughs> exactly. And then, so we go right from the turtle scene, and then it's literally like a couple minutes later, I think, maybe 10, 15 minutes, I'm not sure, but then they kill the little monkey, mm-hmm. and the, now they don't kill the monkey. The documentary crew, the white people will say, don't kill the monkey. Mm-hmm. The natives then kill the monkey. Yep. And they don't just kill it, but the guy just takes it, t- grabs it by the head, mm-hmm. this little monkey, mm-hmm. and just whacks it right in the head. And the top of its head comes off. And then he takes that part mm-hmm. and eats, the, you mm-hmm. can tell he's eating the brains. Brain right which, okay, again, I could believe it. Mm-hmm. If they were real Yanomamo people, 
they probably do that. Mm. You know, they probably live on the land that's around them. Mm. But these weren't real Yanomamo people. I mean, were they? Actually. Is <laughs> <laughs> this a little fact? Actually, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you touched on that, too, because I did take some, some notes on that. But, uh, yeah, the, the two tribes uh, that they discuss in the film are actual, you know, two real tribes. The Yanomamo, uh, you're right, and then the um, Shimatari, I think is the other name. Okay. I've got it right. But there are two. There are two real tribes uh, within the Amazon. But uh, definitely, obviously, um, uh, yeah, Shimatari tribe. Uh, but they're sensationalized a lot, obviously, for the film. I don't think um, you know. Um, no, not not in regards to the monkey stuff. You know, cannibalism might be exaggerated a little bit for the film. I, I couldn't really get too much to film, but you know what the, the tribe practices are really. But talking about the monkey scenes. Um, and Ruggiero, actually, which is uh, what seems to be like out of character for him, actually had, uh, they created brains in a monkey skull, um, and, and the brains they created were, was really made out of tuna fish to uh, look like monkey brains in, okay. inside this monkey skull. Uh, but the natives actually convinced Ruggiero to let them use real monkeys because they're actually a delicacy. Sure. It's a delicacy. It's kind of like a... Reminds me of the Indiana Jones Temple of Doom mm-hmm. scene where, yeah. you know, he takes off the Monkey top. Head and, yeah. And then and spoon it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And they're like, oh, you know, it's a delicacy. So that scene, when the person kills the live monkey, is that really a Yanomamo or an Amazon person? Uh, well, most likely the case. Uh, they okay. did use real tribespeople wow. for the movie. Um, whether or not they were really Yanomamo or uh, Shimatari, I don't know for sure. Um, but they did actually use real natives for the Amazon. Uh, those being the two major tribes, I would assume that that's the case, but uh, I'm not entirely certain. Okay. Either way, uh, the tribes people were paid, another fun little factoid, but with uh, lunch, free lunches. Uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> all? <laughs> I think they might have given a little bit of cash as well, but you know, what I've seen was mostly that actually in interviews with some of the, the actors that are saying, like, especially for some of the more gruesome scenes, they uh, film a scene and then they would cut and break for lunch uh, and then the tribes people would, would be in line as well and, you okay know, sit in line and wait for the tribes people and then um, a couple other uh, we'll talk about more of those factoids later but well, they, they converse with the natives you wouldn't pay them I mean what if, if they're filming this did they film this in the Amazon or mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. I mean it kind of appears like it's really and yeah the shots I are would, beautiful yeah it's, it's, it's Amazon. well Absolutely looks dangerous yeah. <laughs> i mean we we skipped the scene the dangerous scene where their guide gets killed because he has the snake, snake in the boot the snake in the boot <laughs> which the snake bites him on the toe and they cleverly decide these bunch of moron documentary makers i'll say that because i don't have a fondness for them at this point nope. decide that we don't have to cut off his foot we don't have to cut off his toe we don't even have to cut off his leg below the knee we're gonna go for the whole leg right below the hip which is like uh i mean you might as well just chop his head off at that point and and you know he eventually does die from they don't really talk about it they just show that he dies they allude to it at the beginning though do they uh, yeah you, you know the, okay. there's the scene where um so uh, when talking about the, the first part of the film right we've got professor harold monroe and the uh rescue team right uh, who his guide is, is uh, Chaco Los Ojos, 
I hope I'm saying that right. Um, uh, very, uh, what, South American or Hispanic sounding name. Uh, definitely played by an Italian guy. Yeah. His yeah. <laughs> real name is Salvatore Basile. Or okay. Basile. I'm not, not too sure how to say that. But um, Chaco is his guide. And at one point, he uh, uh, splits from the group and he's running in the woods and he stumbles across a body. Um, you know, in the woods and, you know, decomposed bugs and the eyeballs. Oh, yeah. Yes. You remember that? Yep. Yep. And, well, part of that is he opens up his mouth and he sees the gold filling and then he says, oh, I know who this is. Yeah. Okay. I do <laughs> remember that part. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and part of it, it's not like it's the hardest film to follow. Don't get me wrong. But part of my issue in watching it is just because we're in 2020 mm-hmm. and you're watching it and it, the dubbing is awful. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, and whether that was on purpose or it was just a product of the times is a different story. Yeah. So when you say on purpose, uh, you mean maybe it's something random they did specifically for this movie? Or when you, because the other, you say Sign of the Times. Yeah, like Sign of the Times is in, like, that's just how, but I don't think movies from 1980 yeah. are like that. I Not wish, all I wish everybody could see my favorite. <laughs> uh, literally. Uh, well, maybe I should say. We'll maybe get shit off of that for <laughs> saying literally because there were a it was a huge thing within Italian film to actually um, uh, in some cases actually record um, certain characters speaking in their own languages right so you have some Italian actors intermixed with uh, American actors and then um, you know in some cases instead of teaching you know these actors you know their lines in English. They would have everybody just, um, uh, you know, run the lines in their own language, and then they would dub over everything. Okay. It was very common. It was very common. There are a lot of uh, Italian films specifically where you, you sit and you listen, and you're like, oh my God, is that, <laughs> why does none of this sync up? Yeah. Uh, a lot of Lucio Fulci's films, you know, that's that's the case, and, you know, dubs are, dubs are, sound pretty bad. I mean, eventually it becomes pretty endearing. Like, you watch enough of them that, you know, it's almost like, you, you know, to expect it. And sometimes it, I, I enjoy it more than, okay. Know, <laughs> but yes, to what you're saying, the, the dub is, maybe we'll talk a little bit about, um, you know, the, the genre itself. There's actually um, a huge spike of cannibal movies in the 70s and 80s, uh, with it being uh, popularized by, like, Umberto Lindsay. Uh, and then uh, obviously Ruggiero, but uh, there is. Uh, <laughs> we're new to this. We're duct tape production. <laughs> duct tape production. <laughs> duct tape production. <laughs> not really, not really. We can say it's critical. But uh, it's a whole subgenre within horror that there were uh, just a ton of uh, you know, movies that were popularized at the time as you know, cannibal films. and um, even on top of that, there's another genre as well called Mondo, which um, uh, essentially is more um, documentary type films, right? Like um, uh, pseudo documentaries that, that feature a lot of sensational and, and taboo topics uh, specifically. So this really kind of fits into both, right? Uh, I mean, he's got the, you know, I'm not going to say it's like The Office, you know, but... <laughs> Yeah, you know, no. faux documentary yeah. uh, type feel to it. Or the Blair Witch Project for yeah. a newer type reference, you know, yeah. Yeah. for a movie, I should say. Mm-hmm. And 
I think that's exactly what, you know, you told me a little bit of a, a brief synopsis before I watched it. So you gave me an idea of what I was watching and going into it, thinking that that's what I felt. I'm like, oh, okay, we're watching a film that was based on a documentary that was supposed to have occurred. Mm -hmm. And then it's the documenting of the documentary finding, you know, and mm -hmm. for the most part, it's pretty believable. Yeah. It, you know, the acting might be a little bit interesting, but again, that's probably my bias to the dubbing mm -hmm. because I'm like, Okay. Not a common practice outside why, of Italy. <laughs> yeah, why do you look so strange when you talk? You know what I mean? That kind of thing. But it works. Like it, that it adds a little bit to it. You're believing you're there, you're understanding that this professor is going down to the Amazon to find these people, these four people and their guide. And then he doesn't find them, except he finds their film and their bodies, which are, I guess, I yeah, guess that they're their bodies. Yeah, it's just their skull and, and chest <laughs> and ribs. And yeah, when they come across, it's, it's kind of a, uh, not a shrine. I don't think a shrine is the right thing, especially the, the damage that they do to the, the cannibal. They can't necessarily call it a shrine, but it is like a totem it's that they up. built out of all of the film, their decomposed bodies and yeah. you know, things like that all into this well it looks like a shrine but it's probably better to say like a totem yeah. or something like that mm -hmm. so like and at that point you don't know what had happened you don't you haven't seen the turtle you haven't seen any of the other things all you've seen is you know graphically is you know the man by the river with the woman and the, these these guides these film crew uh, with the professor decide to let him, this man, do his thing to the woman. Mm -hmm. he, they don't, they say, don't stop him because he'll lead us back to this village, which is really agonizing to watch because you're like, no, yeah. no person would do that. Yeah. But, um, and then they end up trying to shoot him and then these other people come out and, you know, they get to where they're going, uh, you know, and then you get to the turtle because they find the footage mm -hmm. and then they kill the monkey. And then at the point and this is the documentary film, then they're showing these this group of these four people going into this village, mm -hmm. and at this point their guide has died. Mm -hmm. They go into this village, and the first thing they do, besides tormenting these people by like just pushing their way around them, is they walk up to this pig who's tied to a stake, and the guy takes him and makes sure, makes sure that the, the cameraman is on him, and he shoots the pig right in the head. And again, you're like, well... You killed a monkey five seconds ago. You killed a turtle ten minutes ago. You probably just really killed that pig. Mm -hmm. And it's awful. Mm -hmm. Like, it, that was the moment for me where I was like, and I don't know what point that is in the film. I was like, you know what? We know these people are dead. Screw them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, it's good. A totally good point right there. In the, in the start of the film, you bad for the group getting lost and you know uh, the eventual demise that you know is coming but as you see these things unfold in um in their footage once they find the footage and they bring it back to new york new york and he's uh, um, uh professors meeting with the studio execs and going over the footage as it unfolds you, you lose any uh any heart that you might have had for those 
lost documentary crew members. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Tenfold. Tenfold. Um, so glad you mentioned the, well, not glad you mentioned the pixie. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't say like that. Which scene? The pixie. The pixie. The pixie. Yeah, the, the pixie is, is pretty interesting in and of itself, at least some history behind it. I actually, um, maybe I should cite some of my sources. Actually, a, a lot of the notes that I got from this, too, actually come from a interview with, um, uh, um, <coughs> I think it is, let me make sure I'm saying it right. It's uh, uh, Carl Gabriel York, and he's the guy who plays Alan Yates in the movie, right, being the, the uh, director of the documentary crew, right? Yes, one of the four. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. One of the four of the documentary crew. Um, pretty his his interview is actually very interesting. If you ever get some time to sit down and watch it, it, it is about like forty five minutes, but it does come over a lot of these really big scenes as well, and gives his perspective on it. Hopefully, I can uh, you know give some bullet points and get, you know uh, highlight maybe some of the important things that he said about it. But um, you know some things that were really interesting was uh, at the beginning he actually talks about how he got cast in the role because he had the right shoe size. <laughs> really? Which is pretty, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah okay. So that that whole story being that, uh, you know, he was a, a union actor at the time. Um, he was offered a potential role from, uh, you know, his agent, which would consist of him going on this big adventure out to the Amazon, right? And so it seemed like it could. It wasn't working at the time. Um, uh, he mentions quite a bit that he studied under uh, in. in acting school, right, um, uh, under a prestigious uh, teacher, and, and so it seems really interesting that he would, you know, ultimately act in one of the most controversial you know, horror films of all time, where, uh, you know, yeah, you're really using your thespian skills there, but uh, uh, they, I guess, had already had a, a person active in the film, but something had, or cast for it, I'm sorry, cast for his role within the film, uh, but he had to back out for reasons that I, I but uh, so they brought him in, and uh, he, you know, did the casting. Right, he does the casting for, um, you know, for the casting directors, and ultimately they, they end up asking. I guess it goes well, and they ask him what his shoe size is, and does <laughs> him, oh, you know, I'm this size, and they say, oh, that's perfect, that's great. And, you know, it seems weird to ask what what shoe size is. Well, come to find out later. Uh, that this other guy had, had backed out and they already had the wardrobes selected. Oh, it was budgetary concerns. <laughs> so yeah, not picking the whole wardrobe over again. But that being said, he, he had absolutely no idea uh, what the film was going to be. I think, uh, if I remember correctly, he said that he knew it was going to be horror and he knew it was set in the Amazon. But he liked the idea of it being a big adventure. And so he goes out there. And there are a lot of instances where he says that he, he kept his passport handy throughout the filming of the actual film because he thought there was a chance that Ruggiero really was making a snuff film and he was going to kill him. <laughs> so, oh, shit. so he kept all that handy on him at, at all times, which is uh, something I thought that was really funny. From but um, diving into uh, uh, the the scene itself and with Alan uh, or uh, you know, Carl Gabriel York is the, the actor's really... Um, he was actually originally in the script, in the screenplay, uh, the person who was supposed to shoot the pig himself. Okay. But he refused to do it. Yeah, because the other guy did it. Yeah, the um, other guy. The, the dark haired dude. Yeah, what, uh, what was his name specifically? Mark Tomasa is the character's name. But he's, he's played by Luca uh, Barbareschi. Barbare- he was Italian too? 
Yes. He's the well, no, I guess the other two did look Italian, but the one guy definitely looked Italian. Yep. Okay. That's him. Yep. Okay. Playing into what you said about the dub as well, uh, him and then Faye or Francesca Chiardi, Chiardi, I'm not sure. Um, but those two were dubbed, uh, and you know the other two were Americans, so they didn't actually yeah. need to be dubbed. Alan, Alan. Oh, they weren't really speaking English. Uh, I think they were, but in order to make it more um, that okay. it winds up, yeah, um, you know. Like is, but you know, obviously the, the dub is pretty obvious, but it lines up <laughs> what I feel like is better than if they were just speaking Italian. And <laughs> yeah, because it it didn't look like they were speaking English, but okay, that makes a little bit more sense now. They didn't want them to sound mm-hmm. speaking English, uh, Italian English, or broken English, mm-hmm. or however it is you want to say it, because this documentary crew that got lost in the Amazon was from. New York. Mm-hmm. So the, I mean, I guess they could have been. They could have just mm-hmm. been Italian immigrants yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Who knows? Could, I mean, large but, population in New York. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, okay, that adds a little bit more. He really went into the authenticity. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, he really wanted this to be as real as possible. That's very interesting that you say that the thing about the guy keeping his passport because he didn't really trust yeah. the director. <laughs> I don't know how you work no under idea. those conditions. Mm-hmm. Had no idea uh, it was there. He he had arrived and uh, was given the, the I think given the script at that point, and that's when he finally started to, to understand the, the story, which is what probably led to that you know paranoia skepticism from him that it might actually be him. <laughs> so then, okay, so at that point in the movie, then they kill this pig, and they're in this village, and these. People, Yanomamo. Before we even get into that, yeah. Do you uh, do you remember? Um, you know, the pig is killed, and then uh, Alan's supposed to give this this monologue, right? What, what did you What did you think specifically of the, the the piece that he says right after the pig is? is I don't remember killed. what he said. Yeah, because I was pissed off at him. Yeah, all of them. I was like, you know what? Which probably works great for the the, the film itself, right? You're in so much shock after that pig scene that you don't even realize. Well, um, uh, apparently, they only had one pig for that shot. They only had one pig, and, and to make it matters even more, because what's a little baby pig? That's, that's yeah, exactly. Um, uh, Roger only had one pig for that scene, and so apparently he'd been harping on uh, Alan to get it right. Make sure you get this uh, monologue right after, right, because this is the only shot. And so there's uh, part of the interview is Alan's talking pretty extensively about how he was practicing the scenes over and over again. And you know, he had the monologue down, but as soon as he caught the pig and getting shot, right, and hearing that like abrasive squealing in his ear, he totally botched that. That's why, you know, you, you see him kind of stumble along in that, that, you know, delivered monologue he has afterwards. It's, what does he say? Um, I can't remember exactly. Oh, okay, he says something about um, anyway. It's it's totally botched. Yeah, he botched okay. he botched the thing, and that's when it kind of picks up and devolves into this next scene, which which I'll let you go back into. Yeah, and that was the part, and and then you're like, oh, right, these people have really taken a turn. Mm-hmm. Like these documentary filmmakers, then they group all of as many villagers as they can, and there's a good amount of them. There's probably 30, 50, I don't know. Mm-hmm. They put him in this hut, 
and they tell them they have to stay because they're the only people there with guns. The documentaries, documentarians, mm. I don't know, the white people. Mm. I hate to say that too, yeah. but <laughs> the white people are telling all the native people to go in this hut and then they light it on fire. Mm. And of course I'm going, obviously they can just leave because you can't kill them all. Mm. And they don't shoot yeah. any of them, but they make it very clear in the movie that some of them die. Because you can hear, like, they play the screaming, and the other people are sad, the native people are sad, and then you've got these documentary people who are running around, happy and joyous, and, like, this kind of elated look to them, and you're like, okay, these people have really gone nuts, mm -hmm. it's part of the story, obviously, they didn't kill any of the, at least you didn't have to watch that, because... Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe in today's day, they could make that look a lot more real. And then it would really mess you up. <laughs> but anyway, yes, then they, they kill these people. And you understand that these people have now completely lost their mind. Mm -hmm. Either they've completely lost their mind or they are trying so hard to make a film that's noteworthy, mm -hmm. that gives them notoriety. And then that's where it comes out. That's where they go into next. It's like, oh, yeah. they're not really nuts. They're just really sane starved. <laughs> yeah. They're sociopaths because they're going to sacrifice anything in their way to make what they believe is a good film that's worthy of an Oscar or you know some kind of award. It gives them, makes them famous because they say that a bunch of times in there. This is going to make us famous. Yeah, all this bullshit. And then you know what's great is they actually allude to it. I think. After watching it multiple times, you start to pick up a lot more on some of those, um, maybe not Easter eggs necessarily, but you know, uh, pieces that allude to these things um, in the film that Ruggiero you know, consciously put in there. But uh, when they first um, meet in New York, right, Professor um, uh, Professor Harold, right, meets with the studio execs, and they just recovered the footage. Uh, and they uh, start to go through the rules, but prior to that, the studio exec shows you know him an example of what the documentary crew had worked on previously. And the, yes, and you remember that's that yep. part specifically is pretty gruesome as well. Yes, yeah. there's a lot to um, uh, a lot to that as well. A lot of um, you know, uh, uh, it's like fire, standing fire. Uh, yeah, firing lines. Firing it's like African, you know, these this turmoil in Africa. Civil War type stuff, and they just mm -hmm. showing all these firing lines, and they're saying, you know, this is what they worked on before, and then they say, Alan paid for that. <laughs> it was <laughs> Alan paid for those yeah. things because he would stop at nothing to create the story, and you know, it's really interesting the difference between this film and what is the, the you know the previous film that the documentary crew worked on, and that the studio has this footage, and they know that this is all paid for, but they run forward with the story, the end of this one maybe we'll touch on it too much right now but it, it, then it, it changes dramatically for him which is which is which is interesting yeah the the whole scene is wacky uh, especially because um uh, going back to i guess the the burning scene right the burning of their huts and yeah you know, corralling all of them in there uh that is a part of uh, you know um, that's a part of Ruggiero's direction as well as to have them uh, in these huts don't let them leave. It's really interesting to hear in that interview with Carl where he talks about the scene where, like, 
you know, they, they did a great job of staying in the huts for the shot, but, uh, you know, it's, um, it's really happening in that, you know, they're, they're having them stay and then, you know, have them come out and then. It's burning on fire, it's burning. Yeah. but he can kill any yeah, of them. Burning. Yeah. I mean, um, that's, that's yeah. <laughs> that we know of, <laughs> but it, it wasn't, it's not anything like uh, the turtle, uh, mm-hmm. the monkey or the pig, no. but you're still going, okay, I'm, I'm picking up. These people are nuts, mm-hmm. you know, or at least one of them is, mm-hmm. you know, something's not right here. And then I think from that point, uh, you know, if you hadn't hated these people already, mm-hmm. you certainly do then. Yep. Like you're like, okay, these people suck, mm-hmm. <laughs> you yep. know, to say the yep. least. And they are no longer there to just capture footage and, you know, make a real kind of documentary. They're now taking charge of the story yeah. which is you know not what you're supposed to do is kind of an anthropology you know type approach to it now they're they're way overstaying their welcome mm-hmm. you know we don't they don't say which tribe it is that they invaded upon and you know tortured mm-hmm. and murdered but you understand you have the the understanding that there's two warring tribes here mm-hmm. and they don't like each other and but both of these tribes are bad, but there's one tribe that's much worse, and that's probably not the first tribe that they yeah. stumbled upon. They stumbled upon the nicer tribe, Yanomamo, who are like you know, like I said, they're welcoming. They welcome them in. They kill the monkey for them, and you know, offering them food. When they kill the pig, they're not upset. They're just they don't really show their reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, he offers them one of them. A gift of some sort, right? Was it at that point he gives one of them a gift, and they were like, "Oh, okay." Uh, is that him, the, or is that the filmmaker that I'm crisscrossing? I think it's uh, I think it's Harold, right? the guy with the, the tape professor. recorder. Yeah, okay, professor. so that's that's what I was thinking of. And actually, that's the Shamatari. The Shamatari are supposed to be the tree people, and then the Yanomamo are the ones that are the nicer ones. That okay. Which, okay. Which in part it's it's spooky. Um, once again, right the um, the setup that Rougeau sets up for in the second half of the film, which is the you know the total destruction of these tribes, is is played very well in in the first half when Harold, uh, you know, the Professor Monroe comes across the you know, the tribe in and of itself, and you see the bare bones of you know torched huts. Yeah. And then uh, the tribesmen with the bullet in his leg, which is who Jack. Yeah, yeah. You know, the reason they find the tribe is because he shot in the leg. I did forget that part. And Because I was ta- traumatized by the turtle. Yep, the turtle. <laughs> I was <laughs> more turtle. sad for the turtle yeah, than the fact turtle. that they just shot this guy in order to follow him. Yeah, you jumped right into the, the toughest scene, which is... <laughs> no way. Um, yeah, uh, once again, set up really well. I think from Rougeau and that you know um, even on top of that when we're talking I think it is uh, anthropology that they uh, Harold the professor Harold Monroe is actually a professor of which so he takes the more measured approach in you know reaching out to these tribes to connect with them and discover you know what happened to the documentary crew where you know the documentary documentary crew just runs uh, roughshod over over you know both of these tribes to get the footage that they want which, yeah yeah, they just um, don't care. You can tell. You know, so even though they're they're trapped in these huts and they're burning them, they 
You got free lunch. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe some money, which of which they could spend nowhere because they don't really. They probably their monetary system would be a barter type, you know, trade system that wouldn't have anything to do with paper. I, I think uh, if, uh, if I remember correctly, part of it was that they if they do any interacting with, you know, uh, uh, major villages, right? Not not actual uh, you know tribes people. They they would have like funds for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, so now you've burnt a few of these peoples, burnt some of their friends, their relatives, whatever, their brothers, sisters. Now, the two, two of them, and I don't remember their names, but the woman and one of the men decide to just take over one of their huts and have their way with each other right in front of the group watching in the background. And you get to enjoy the, the man and the woman just having their own little fling right there mm-hmm. while the mm-hmm. other guy captures it on film yeah. unbeknownst to the two actors. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so with that, uh, you get a lot of instances of that. Like, right, it's uh, in the footage that they're going through, there are a lot of candid shots of yes. like, uh, Faye coming out of a shower, yeah, yeah. right? And she's like, why are you filming? You know, uh, so you do get set up a lot of that where they're, they're filming candidly um, these these random things that happen, but what what makes this part? I mean, it is candid filming, but it's so it's so sick in and of itself because they're fucking right in front of yeah these surviving tribes people. They're sitting there and they're just watching these two. So it is Alan and it's Faye, right? So Alan being the director and then Faye as well. And so you set up in the film to actually. Um, you know, there are a couple, uh, even at the very beginning, uh, you know, they ask him what he's afraid of, Alan Yates, and he says, you know, as he grabs onto Faye, he says, commitment, or, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, or marriage, he's afraid of marriage. You know, they joke around like that, so uh, obviously it's set up that they are a uh, relationship within this, right? They're, they're not only, you know, documentary team you know, crew members, but they're also a couple, they're, they're a relationship. Uh, so that's not the weird part, though. The weird part isn't that they're having sex, the weird part is, it's just after this, part, this, this village, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and they do it in front of thirty of these tribes. Yeah, um, thirty, fifty, like you said, yeah, somewhere in there. Who knows how many died at, at this point in the, you know, in the story? But um, one thing that's that's really interesting about this, and, and like I said, comes from uh, the interview with with uh, Carl, uh, is he said that uh, it took about five takes to get that same five takes to get that same. Uh, so uh, he said something along the lines that Ruggiero, anytime that there was um, nude scenes or um, you know sexually explicit scenes, that they would do one run through with their clothes on and then one run through without the clothes. Um, but in this case, I guess it's a little different in that they it took five uh, different takes of this one. So first one, I guess, being with the clothes on, and then the subsequent ones after that. Now, what's really interesting, actually. Absolutely awful. I don't think anybody could get, no director could get away with that kind of direction now in modern day films. It's probably because it's, you know, early 80s. And it's it's Italian films, uh, total non-union film, right, for this, uh, that actually allowed for them to do this. But it's, it's um, uh, neither of them wanted to film this. It, it was, that's why you pick up on it. I mean, it's incredibly awful. It's yeah. Awful. Yes. Very, and like, it begins with him just the, the man just coming after her right. and grabbing her and kissing her and then you're wondering okay well he's just being affectionate with her it's weird 
because of what just happened. But then you look and you don't know for sure whether she's a willing participant a few seconds in. And then you see her reach around and grab his head and, you know, she's pulling him in. And then it's like, oh, okay, she is a willing participant. And then it's the feeling of, uh, for me, okay, when is this going to stop? What are they doing? What's happening here? And then, yeah, awkward and uncoordinated. Voyeur <laughs> yeah, traps people. Yes. <laughs> and then it pans back and you see the people, or maybe it shifts to the uh, left or whatever a little bit, and you see the people behind just sitting there watching and you can't really get a glimpse of their face or read their emotions because they're they're far enough and they're blurred. But you do understand that they're right there that they're within the visual space of these people and that they're watching. And then you're like, uh, okay, well, all right, I guess this is happening. This is the most unromantic moment to have this happen, (laughs) but all right. Um, they seem to both be willing participants. How do you, Hey, don't king shame. Okay, like <laughs> you and I have thirty or fifty traps people watching you I go mean, to town. Yeah, like it's it's a little bit uh, strange in that sense, right? To to add to that, uh, a little bit more about the direction that they got. Right? Neither neither uh, Carl nor uh, uh, sorry no, nor Francesca really wanted to film the scene. At least this is coming from. I had seen a couple different reports. Uh, and this is coming from Carl's interview where they said they took five, uh, five takes and uh, that originally uh, the first early takes, she was not into the scene at all, uh, right? Um, while Carl was more along the lines of like, let's just get the scene over with. She had, you know, was reticent, right? She's really hesitant to actually leave. Um, he said something along the lines of um, playing coy with it or bashful which she does a little bit in the final take so i could see that right you know like you say originally yeah you don't know for sure whether or not she has a willing participant to it one of the directions was that rogero wanted carl to, to rip off her shirt and then you know position her in front of the camera to showcase you know her cleavage uh-huh. you know um which uh i hope i don't have to say this, but really you know, it's awful hearing this. Totally do not condone that sort of thing. <laughs> That's what I say. That's what I say. I don't think any director could get away with this today nowadays. But, um, uh, well, unless you're working on a Weinstein movie. <laughs> Bad joke. <laughs> yeah, it's not so good. Um, but not, not to make light of it. But no, no. It's, it is, um, uh, he, she says, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. Don't you do that uh, to me. Don't you... Uh, so after a couple takes of it not getting you know precisely what Ruggiero wants, apparently he pulls her off to the side. They go into the woods, have an argument, comes back, and then she does precisely what what happens in the take. So something he said to her in, in the woods is, you know, eventually got her to comply. And I think it's it's unfortunate. It's really creepy, but you know, um, I mean, in turn, it even resulted in a really awkward scene. So. Yes, still. <laughs> so, I mean, um, as a viewer, you're watching that and you're just, it's a really, like, what, I, I mean, you know what to think because you already hate these people. Mm-hmm. I think at that point you're yeah. like, you know, like I said, you people suck. Yeah. But now you've just taken it to another level. Yeah. Like, this doesn't get any worse, but now you just made it worse. Yeah. It just kind of adds to the sociopathy yeah. out of it, right? Like yes. you, 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 you can just feel it building like it's the high that comes off of them 
you know, burning this, this, uh, burning these tribes people that, you know, gets Alan in, in the mood for it. But um, on the other side of that, though, I'm talking about Francesca uh, apparently uh, has said herself that her and Carl were lovers during the making of the film, which uh, Carl's very adamant against in his interview, which he said he was seeing a girl at the time who was at home, so it could be, you know, maybe they're covering some ass. <laughs> well, okay. But he says specifically that they weren't lovers and that Francesca actually wanted to run through it one time in the woods um, so that they're more comfortable with it. And he says, no, we're just going to let it happen. Well, she... Uh, later claims that they were lovers and that this the scene was unsimulated. Oh shit! Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was real. Now uh, that's not what Carl seems to say, but that's that's what Francesca says. So uh, either way, whoever you want to believe more on that, um, you know, maybe not who who you choose to believe on that. Which I think there's there's credibility to both sides of it, right? Um, yeah. Obviously, I could see a you know, sleazy Italian director kind of coercing into, um, you know, getting the scene he wants, uh, or even then that Alan might cover up an actual relationship with, with her because it's, you know. Because he wants to save face somewhere. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Mm-hmm. And, and then it ends with the guy behind the camera, I think, laughing yeah. get at them caught. both. Getting caught. Yeah. Getting caught so, filming oh, them. Yeah. Oh, you slide up. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's <laughs> laughing at them, and then they're all laughing. Uh-huh. Com- again, completely unbeknownst, apparently, to what they've just done. And it doesn't appear that any amount of time, or at least not that much time, has passed between the burning of the people and this act that you've now witnessed. And it's just, okay, mm. now where do we go? Now these people really suck. I cannot <laughs> hate them anymore. And yet you do. It only gets worse. Mm. So now, I don't know what they do. They leave this village. Now they're... Well, actually, as I say, they, where do they go from there? They cut and they go to lunch. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, one of the funny things from that, too, that I actually got from, from uh, Carl's interview is he says that um, uh, as they're all in line, this is what I was talking about lunch earlier, as they're all in line, you know, getting lunch after the take, and, uh, there are a couple tribesmen come up to him and they say, five times. Five times, and he's like, oh, I, I don't know, what this, I don't know what this means. Well, what are you, you trying to tell me? And he's like, yeah, five times, something like that. And it turns out they're they're suggesting that it was impressive that he's had it in him. He had the libido to <laughs> five times. So who knows whether that is really simulated? But but uh, at least the tribe people thought it was they thought it was real. They came up and they told him, you know, impressive. They give him the give thumbs up. Oh gosh, times. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so the, the men in there are like high fiving him. Yeah. And maybe the the tribal women not to ba- make a bad joke. Are like, Ooh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, it's, well, it's something that pops up in other uh, other Brazil films as well, which is which is weird. Um, I can't believe he made another movie. But again. That's because this is my first viewing of him and mm-hmm. was not yeah. a pleasant viewing. No. <laughs> now, uh, so this is all part of, and kind of a, kind of an aside, um, but uh, this is all part of what's called the Cannibal Trilogy. Uh, I think it's dubbed that later. But, um, you know, there are two other films that make up the quote-unquote Cannibal Trilogy, and that's Jungle Holocaust, which also has another uh, working title, but... Uh, uh, 
it's more commonly known as Jungle Holocaust, and it's a scene where uh, it's a film where um, an uh, oil tycoon is uh, traveling with you know uh, a crew out to a remote area of the Philippines. When they land, pretty similar as they come across this you know group of cannibals who I'm sorry or tribes people in general, um, but happen to kill other crew members. And then take this guy hostage in um, uh, into the caves of the Philippines. Right, it's all set in the caves, of, and more absolutely beautiful, stunning shots from Rogero. Right, it's in the same as the Amazon, absolutely gorgeous. But uh, in in this film, there is a very long scene of uh, the tribespeople taking the guy, strapping him to the rock, and then ripping his clothes off, and then the little. Uh, Little boys from the tribe are infatuated with this penis, and same with one of the the female tribes uh, tribes people. Um, apparently, though, she's an actress. She's a, a pretty pretty famous actress. But it's a long scene spent playing with his with his dick and balls. It's the weirdest really? thing. It's so strange. But <laughs> I was like, I found there are some scenes in *Jungle Holocaust* that, that I found pretty interesting, pretty entertaining. I'd say I like *Cannibal Holocaust* better just because. The film itself is, I hate to say, more polished, but uh, he definitely had a, a bit more of a direction that he wanted with this film. Like I mentioned with the setups and the payoffs that happen throughout the film, I think it's just a better cohesive film overall. But uh, there are some parts in Jungle Holocaust that are really, really interesting. And then the following one being, uh, so Jungle Holocaust was before Cannibal Holocaust, and then there okay. was Cut and Run which uh, was a pretty, actually, I think that out of the three would be my favorite, but it's definitely a lot more commercially acceptable. Um, and it actually also had Lisa Blunt and, um, um, gosh, I can't remember his name. Uh, he uh, was in The Hills Have Eyes. It's kind of a, you ever seen that one? Okay. Yeah, I Maybe think I've all. seen that, yeah. Are we planning for other films within the, within the podcast? <laughs> within our show? It's, it's Are you? <laughs> no, uh, that'll probably be available. Just, Andy is going to be the film curator of this show. I do not know no. about what is to come. I just know that I have a folder of like, what, 20 movies or something on there now to watch. And after the first one, I'm like, okay, it must be downhill from here. <laughs> because we'll come out the want, gate. I know, if you wanted to hit it out of the park the first time with the gore and just pure shock value that then then this film definitely did that mm -hmm. i mean yeah it'd be hard to go uh, anything over the top of this one but that's fine they all have yeah. their different uh kind that's of that oh that's the guy okay michael baron that's michael baron okay so he was uh he's in the the, the third ones. one yes, yes. okay so he's a more hollywood type person yes i think i've seen him before mm. so yeah back to you know the cannibal holocaust mm. so then we move from these guys just killed these people now they're in search for the tree people they're now looking because apparently they haven't had enough fun with these people the onamamo mm. now they're looking for the more dangerous they're looking for real gritty apparently type footage even though they just filmed this other stuff so they're moving on and they stumble upon what I believe is probably a tree person or mm -hmm. a young mama, but it's a girl. And now we get to see all of them yep. have their way. 
with said girl, who looks to be about 15, Mm. 16. I mean, she looks incredibly young, Mm. which is another weird part. You're watching that movie, and, you know, today's day and age, everything being so PC and whatnot, you're like, are those people 18? Mm. You know, but I I understand that that's kind of a little bit different thing if they're, you know, when you're watching, like, the Discovery Channel, those types of things, tribes people, yeah, they're nude, you know, from top up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's it's okay, you know. It's not like you're mm-hmm. doing anything wrong, but it is a weird feeling at first. Yep. Like, okay, I don't, I don't really, I'm a hundred percent comfortable with, you know, young women running around naked. But ap- apparently, that's the way they do it in their thing. Mm-hmm. So, all right, well, I'm not going to be well, even judgy. What, <laughs> even what you're saying in, in that as well, um, you know, a, a totally different part of the film, and actually it comes with you know, Professor. Uh, um, you know, Harold Monroe actually, uh, as they're going through and they're building this relationship with these trans people, he runs out into yes, he runs out butt naked into the river, and then yeah. a group of girls just follow him out into you know this little lake, and they all play together. Same weird thing where they're messing with his one of them follows <laughs> him, yes, yeah, you know, and one of them just starts grabbing his stuff. Weird thing is, is that uh, they actually hired. Uh, women from a brothel in Amazon oh. <laughs> to make that thing. So they weren't actually. Uh, there was a brothel was located a, in the Amazon. I guess near enough. Well, I, I mean, oldest sex workers business in yeah. the world. So it wouldn't. I mean, it doesn't surprise me that it permeated there as well. So okay, whatever. I'll just sound more judgy. But <laughs> the so yes, now we've got these guys. They find this girl. They all rape her yep. uh, all three of these guys do and the woman Faye, doesn't stop the first time but then when number two goes yeah then she tries to beat him and hit him and whatnot and yep. he Which doesn't stop the relationship right that's what we were alluding to earlier they have that relationship they set it up so much in, in the beginning portion of the film and then the payoff there is that she absolutely cannot stand that he's that he's doing this but he has no he's such a, a sociopath no problem doing this. Uh, Moral compass completely lost. Completely lost at that point. I mean, you just now you really hate all of them yeah. because it, the other ones you just saw. I mean, you still didn't like them much. So once they killed all the people, <laughs> so when you keep saying that, I'd love to know the point. Where is the point where you like uh, maybe not max hate? But you're like at maybe the top part of the roller coaster before you're like right, right. Where is peak height peak. of hatred for when for when they took advantage of this poor? I mean, well, you know that's hard to say. I think you know the burning of the the mass people awful, awful, awful. But now you've got this lone girl who can't defend herself at all, mm-hmm. and uh, I just I think. Something about the fact that it's not just the one of them, but the other two watching, mm-hmm. and nobody defends her. Yep. And then the woman doesn't defend her until, until her boyfriend, who she obviously has an interest in. And then now you hate all of them. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's hard to say either that point or the point you know, at which they burn them all. Yep. One of those two places in there was where you tipped the edge. I was thinking you might have just said... Since you, you seem to really not like the turtle scene, it might have been. <laughs> well, I didn't like that either. But at least I think with, it gets scene, worse like and worse. You, said, you know, they're they're eating. You know, they're trying to survive. You could understand it, and 
if you don't know for sure that that turtle was actually killed, mm-hmm. you know, okay, I can understand it. It's part of the filmmaking. Okay, they actually did that to live, to survive. That's fine. Once you start killing people that are just in a hut and then rape and pillage and whatnot, that's there's no survival left in there. Yep. You're not doing that for the survival anymore. You're simply doing that because you're nutty. Yep. You know, there's something not right with you in doing those actions. At least the other stuff, like you said, you know, you're doing that to fulfill your body with sustenance the only way you know how and you find this big thing and okay this is going to feed us for quite a bit okay we're going to eat it mm-hmm. you know yeah. okay this yeah. turtle can't really defend itself all right well at least they killed it humanely mm-hmm. as quick as they could i get it yeah. but then you gang rape this poor little girl not okay mm-hmm. <laughs> no, not okay and on top of that so then that scene happens and now this is what I wasn't quite sure on. This is where you started watching when you know when we first came over, finishing up the movie, mm-hmm. for Rouge. however many times you've seen it. <laughs> they put her. At, is that the same girl that they put on the post? Uh, no, that's a great. That's a great take as well. There were a couple uh, things that I thought of, um, which I don't think were laid out specifically within that. Um, it, one of my thoughts were that. The, you know, uh, the girl that you see, the adulterer, right, that happens in the, the ritualistic scene that we were talking about. Yep. My thoughts were actually that that was, like, because it wasn't that much longer after, you know, that uh, Professor Harold uh, goes out to the, assemble the rescue crew and, and, you know, go out there and find the tribes people. Yeah. Um, but then I guess looking back on it, it may not be the case. No, because she it looked be more like a mama, right? The, the yeah. Really don't look so much like that. Uh, the Shemitari, but um, that is a great take as well. And that it, it could be something similar in the lines of a, a ritualistic sacrifice of the adulterer is something that, um, which is horrifying to think of, right? Like, because she didn't ask to be in that situation, right? Yeah. But it, you know, it happens, and, and the tribe's people don't see it that way and end up sacrificing her as well. Uh, so it could be precisely like we talked about. She turns out to be the pole, but I don't think. I think the, um, and I think, you know, they come across the the pole scene itself specifically. Well, before we get, I guess we get into that, we should probably explain what the pole scene is. Okay, <laughs> I thought I did. <laughs> oh well, not really, yeah. not descriptively or graphically. Yeah. It's just well, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, you do it. So you know, they're as they're. Working their way to the Shemitari, to the tribe itself, uh, specifically, uh, specifically, they come across this long pole with a girl impaled onto the pole. Obviously, a tribes uh, uh, tribeswoman uh, impaled upon this pole, which is probably what 10, 10 to uh, fifteen feet tall, uh, something like that at that, yeah. at that point. But as you can see, it goes up, you know, through the outer mouth, outer mouth. So, I, go ahead. Yeah. No. Uh, what What were your thoughts? When, when I think across? it's the girl. You think it's a girl? Yes, because the blood, you know, in watching it and how they filmed it, it just looks like the blood is there. It's brand new. It's fresh, and it fits with the fact that they wanted to find this outrageous tribe that does these awful, horrible things. And look at this putrid act that they've just done. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 
whereas it was actually them. It was the three guys who just raped this girl. And now maybe she was just left unconscious and they finished her off, so to say, you know, and put her on that pole and then acted like they just found her and were going to be shocked and horrified at what these people do. You know, we're, we're not going to, we're not going to release that footage that happened right before that, but we're going to show you this awful thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know. I guess if they don't, if in your research, they don't really explain it, mm-hmm. it could be interpreted both ways. Yeah. To me, it seemed like it was just a, a body that they, they came across. Um, but there's, I think, you know, knowing Alan throughout the rest of the film and what he would do to make his movie, it's not, I don't think it's out of the, the confounds of yeah, potential. <laughs> I mean, you just raped her. You all three of you just, you know, had your way with her. Why, yeah. in that sense? And now you you've killed those other people mm-hmm. from her tribe. I think that they were from her tribe. They don't really say whether she's a Yanomamo or a tree yeah. person. So, yeah, and you can't really tell. Mm-hmm. They're not entirely different looking. So there are some differences. Uh, right, the Shintari have the long hair and they're. Darker, darker because yeah. of the, the mud or whatever, tar or whatever they've they've got on them, make them look a little bit darker. And then the um, the Yanomama look a little bit more like what you would see, in, like like you said earlier, like National Geographic, something like that. A little bit more of a stereotypical type of type of tribe person. That you, yeah, you would see. So there are some dis- distinctions, uh, you know, throughout it. And I think it, uh, you know, it becomes a little easier to tell them apart after uh, a couple of watches. But when you're know, first watching it, I, I see what you mean. Definitely. You know, you can't explicitly tell for sure, and it's not always entirely laid out. No, you just know that they're not the white people. Yeah. (laughs) They are definitely different. They are not part of the documentary crew people. And they've got markings, you know, they show Mm -hmm. on the tattoo. It's not really tattoos, though. It's because it's like like branding. Yeah. And they do allude to that early on. They say that uh, the uh, one that they capture is... um, shaman's son something like that so which could be totally different and that could be a specific ranking within the tribe or something like that it's how they yeah. distinguish you know rankings that's right the tribe explicitly but i forgot that they captured the one and the other yes. two people were all upset kind of about him and, and then the the kind of guy is like he's yeah. a piece of junk don't worry <laughs> about him you know he'll slit your throat in a heartbeat uh-huh. uh he turns out to not be that bad of a no, that that tribe specifically they're a lot more endearing, yeah. especially receptive to them coming in and um, you know reenacting the burns uh, scene from that that part is so interesting to me because you're you're lost they show up in the tribe you don't know anything about what has happened for the burning um, for reference everybody we are going back to the burning yeah. <laughs> the burning scene but uh, you know the tribes people reenact it and, you know they don't speak English and so he's um, wailing and you know showing the burn remains of the of, you know the, the little hut that they they destroyed and he's reenacting all this to you know to professor harold uh be, i think because they connected with him like they, they connected with him versus alan and Ethan's crew which absolutely destroy and then uh, uh exploit them right? yeah to say it mildly <laughs> i don't know that, how do you think that they they did the pole scene right for reference again it is 10 to 15 foot pole that this girl is impaled upon and she you know there is blood whole torso yeah there is blood and it looks it looks entirely realistic i don't know 
Yeah, you, no, I wouldn't have. Right, no, all that special effects. Yeah. You think it was? Um, what if you were to take the best guess of when the movie ends? Uh, maybe it ends, you know, where it looks to begin going into her, and then the top part is just another fake appendage to it yeah. that they line up perfectly. Yeah, really? impressive. Yeah, okay. that was good. Uh, maybe so, I'm in the wrong field. Yeah, maybe <laughs> <laughs> you're the next Rick Baker. <laughs> yeah, you're you're right. Actually, you're you're pretty close uh, in that. Um, what I I read is that uh, they took a bicycle scene onto um, what would be the tail end. Yeah, for like a better <laughs> ass <laughs> end. Of the the ass end. There you go. <laughs> oh, that's right. We can we can cut. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yes, on the ass end, they took a bicycle seat and then have her sit on this bicycle seat with the legs dangling. And for those who, who maybe want a visual but don't want to watch the movie, you can actually go and look at the uh, posters because it's something that was immortalized in the movie posters for the film. It's something that they advertise explicitly because it is such a you know crazy shot. Um, but you know the legs dangling, and then it goes. Obviously, it's made to look like it goes through the rest of the torso. Um, but they took about, what, like, uh, I think it's like another two feet or um, maybe even three feet of balsa wood and have her bite down on it on the uh, other end okay. and then just stay perfectly still. Apparently, you know, what Carl was saying in his interviews is that, mm-hmm. it took, that that scene alone took them about 30 minutes to shoot. And she must have had some incredible patience to sit like that for because it's, yeah, her, her head is tilted back with this balsa wood coming out of her mouth at two feet. <laughs> and it doesn't move. I mean, I'd have to go back and pay more attention to it to see if the top would be rotating or moving at all with her head, but it yeah. doesn't appear to. And that'd be hard, really difficult to keep your head still mm-hmm. in that position. I mean, I guess they could have done, well, I don't know. They could have done things to, to make her more relaxed, but you can't do that no, to a certain extent. Patience of steel. Yeah. <laughs> Did she get she all she got was a free lunch. Free lunch, baby. Yeah, yeah. God, oh, damn. Uh, with that though, there are a couple continuity errors. Um, there is in one scene when they first come across her, her legs are just dangling, um, you know, straight down, and that's actually something you probably won't even notice. Um, uh, I really only noticed while doing research for the film as they talk about the continuity errors, and in a later scene, um, her her legs are crossed. Oh, the, really? So and they she, obviously she wouldn't have moved. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They didn't do it within the scene. She didn't. She didn't do it within the scene, but within different takes uh, of the scene itself, it is. Uh, it's we should pay attention and figure out if it's supposed to be the girl, the first girl, or if it's supposed to be a different one. But I, I don't know how you would. Um, I mean, they, if they have identifying characteristics, or obviously they don't refer to anybody by name. Oh, look, here's Elizabeth again. Yeah. You know, It'd be a weird name for a trash. <laughs> yeah, right. That's her Americanized name. Yeah. She goes by like that. Yes. that. That too. Yeah. She just goes by that in this film. I mean, uh, come on. But the while even if it isn't something that they themselves explicitly do to this this character, another or I'm sorry, this uh, trash woman that's, yeah. that's on this pole, they don't. The, the shot has so much uh, um, within it. They're sitting there, uh, looking at this this girl impaled on this pole, and 
at Alan, the, the director, obviously, is grinning ear to ear. And, you know, it goes to show a little bit more of the sociopathy, right? Like, he, he really, uh, all he cares about is his movie, is his shot, he cares about a single person. And, uh, um, and whether it's uh, Jack or, um, you know, or Mark, the other two male characters, uh, actually filming one of them has to remind him and say, hey, you're, you're shooting right now. Oh yeah, his yeah. face changes to, to uh, you know, oh, I've, I've come across this horrible you know, thing. This is horrible, but you know, in reality, you know, we get to see the real footage. You know? <laughs> yeah, and, it, and we know he didn't just stumble upon, or if he did, uh, he he wasn't as somber as he would have. That's why I think they didn't just stumble upon it. Mm-hmm. I I don't think so. I think that was the same girl that they just strung up and put on a pole mm-hmm. for their own effect. Mm-hmm. You know, they've had their way with her. Now they're going to make another way with her. She's expendable. She's just as worthless mm-hmm. as the people in the hut. They, they burn to death. Might as well put a pole through her. Yeah. I don't know. It's, yeah. Possibly, yeah. I mean, if I was going to think sociopathically, mm-hmm. that's how I would that think. Would Andy. Yeah. <laughs> with, uh, just catches on. Shit ton of followers out of this. Let our fo- our followers please let us know. Somebody what, let what is if you know for <laughs> sure. If there's more evidence we're not seeing that we're not catching on or something. Uh, you know, maybe there was an interview, maybe somebody asked this specifically, maybe it was leaked from the cast or you know the filming that this was supposed to be the same girl. Uh, I, I think it does make a little bit of a difference. Mm. But then again, not really. If it's the same girl, if it's not, the fact is we know they rape a girl. They all gang rape a girl. I, I mean, to say then it's it's much worse that they, yes, impale her. Of course it is. But you already did the bad part. You already did the really, really, really bad part there. You're, if you just took it one step further, that's bad. I get it. You just committed another sin. Whatever it is you want to chalk it up to, it's it's just awful all around. Mm-hmm. They're just yeah, the pieces of shit characters all around. Right. I love that you keep. I feel like it's um, it's Legos of hatred that build up on top, and every time you say that, you know, it, it just adds on to your hatred for them. I I think it's I think it's great. I think that that's part of that. That is how you're supposed to experience. That's how you're supposed to. Watch the film is that that hatred is just supposed to build as you go until you know you're, you're completely disillusioned. Yeah, and then you get to the end, which is not far after the pull up the rump scene. Mm-hmm. Now you've got these people stumbling upon to a clearing where one of them, the tree people, they find them, and those tree people don't mess around. Mm-hmm. They are quick with getting rid of these documentarians mm-hmm. and quite honestly you're watching this i'm watching it my reaction was yes <laughs> good get these varmint out of the amazon get rid of them do whatever the hell you want to them i don't care because i know what they just did for the last hour of the movie yep. the awfulness of their you know characters i don't even i mean the woman too like i again yep. I don't care if you you stood by during the rape. You well, no. If you believe the if you believe the documentary being real, they ate the turtle. 
they didn't kill the pig. The dipstick killed the the the, the pig. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't. I mean, the woman is a little bit harder to understand or to you know kind of justify. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but she did stand by while they had their way with the girl, at least for one of them. So, yeah, and she stood by while they burned them all to death. You know? Yeah, it's it's really tough to say that the ending feels cathartic. I mean, obviously yeah. it does in a way because you, you feel like this group has finally gotten their comeuppance. Uh, yeah. Of what, what the tribe is, is getting, uh, or the jungle itself is getting its revenge. But it's still gruesome to the point of this, especially within her character, which I think you, yeah, like exactly like you're saying, like you can, um, you identify with her more than you do the rest of the, the, the crew because she's not as complicit in all of the disgusting parts of it. And then ultimately, you know, the, the cannibals come and they um, end up attacking the documentary crew. Actually, I guess it's a little bit of back and forth, right? Yeah. They, they just dive in and, you know, disgusting parts of it are Alan is saying things along the lines of like, we, we lingered a little too long to get that last shot and now the crew's dead. So even then, hearing more about his desire for completing the film, getting the shots that he wants versus the safety of his own crew. Yeah, he doesn't care. Yeah, and then um, you know, tell him we need to get out of here. He's so, at this point, so uh, befuddled, right? And, and they're lost in this jungle at this point. But the, the scene is... You know, the, the final act of this part is is really rough. It's a tough part, too. <laughs> it's it's a tough part, too. Where they all get tortured and pulled apart, and then they, they rape the girl. The tree people then have their own way with, you know, faith. Yeah, yeah faith. faith. Yeah, yeah, and, faith. again, you're watching it and going, oh, shit, I mean, this sucks. This is bad. This is not fair, really, justifiably to anybody. Mm-hmm. But then you're also thinking, well dipstick behind the camera isn't running away and he's not the first one she's not the first one that's been killed now because somebody died right before that and they're still just standing there documenting well we gotta see how far this goes no dipshits first it goes jack right okay the blonde is the blonde guy with the chips mustache he gets impaled by a like some kind of javelin type thing yeah is is that right and then well the 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 scene that always sticks in my mind is, is his head being completely separated from his body. <laughs> yes. And the tribes people, what, what happens with all of the you know bodies is they end up whacking them, you know, consistently with with these sticks that they have. And yeah. Then, you know, um, taking the, the finely ground stone to their chest and yes. slicing it open, yeah. right? Uh, um, that sort of thing. So what always stands out to me is they're you know ripping the guts out of this what what is a false body and i'm sure they dug a pit for for jack who's uh, you know played by perry Perkinon, i think that's his name but uh for his head to just pop out of the ground because it, it looks it looks really realistic i'm i'm pretty certain that it must have used his real head for that and then a false body for for that other scene but headless they're taking it apart right and that is you know you feel a lot more justified but then they take you know faye she gets, uh, as we mentioned, you know, she's she's raped by the, the tribesmen and then and then killed herself, and then it goes to Alan and um, you know and, and Mark, the last two. Right? It's 
this, the real cathartic piece of it is, uh, to me, is the shot of Alan's face as he's on the ground. <laughs> yep. and you're just like two or three times they show his head just hitting it, and his face is bloodied, and his eyes are open, and he's bewildered. Like, how could this happen to me? Yeah. You know, the jungle took its revenge. Yeah, yep. And then, uh, you know, uh, and it, I, I think it was the scene not right after that, but maybe a little bit before then, where the New York studio execs are saying. Well, this is awesome. We have to release this, and we have to show this, and this would be good for us to, you know, as a as a company, as a studio. And then they get to the end, and you see them in the theater, and the one guy gets up and walks out. Yeah, he can't. He He's can't so disgusted. So I guess to explain the scene a little bit more, though, as as you should hopefully still remember, is that um, you know they're they're watching this footage that they're finding, so not. This all isn't happening in real time. This no. is all past, and this is the footage that the team is watching. But this is our first time seeing yeah. this footage as well, right? But um, you know, Professor uh, Harold Monroe is is uh, meeting with the studio exec saying, "We need to kill this. We need to kill this." And they're saying, "You know, no. This is going to be fantastic work. I mean, you know, look at his other documentaries. Like this will be amazing. We need to show this to the public to give them the truth." The best is Harold says. Uh, you don't know the truth. Yeah, I've I'm seen show all you. the footage. <laughs> so he sets a screening with the studio execs to sit down and watch the final parts of the film. And this is really the, you know, the centerpiece for the, the final act is showing this footage to the studio execs who want to capitalize on it. Okay? Yeah, and so the one guy gets up and leaves, and then the other guy in the room. There's another man and another woman besides the professor. The other guy gets up looking bewildered and walks straight over to the phone calls what appears to probably be the person in the control booth and says burn it <laughs> burn it all or something and then you know harold leaves on a new york city and is looking up and all you're left with is the view of the buildings and this de demonstrative music which we haven't touched on which i you're, it's present throughout the yeah. whole movie and you know you get this credit of well the filmmaker or the guy behind, not the filmmaker I'm sorry the guy behind the no, the projectionist the projectionist actually didn't destroy it and leaked it and then he got fined all this money and, yeah exactly but that's the only reason we really are able to see this you know now you're like oh okay you know so funny you say that uh, I should have uh, apparently that is from, from reports that I've seen is that is a play on um, Ruggiero's actual like, release and screening of the film after it was labeled a video nasty right and, and pulled from theaters and uh, you know, all that well a project uh, some projection was kept a copy and, and held a screening of it and got fined $250,000 for oh, that apparently made a lot of money in the <laughs> in, from the screening it's, itself he made, he made enough to cover that. Really? So, yeah. Wow. Um, but what I think is, is you know, a great, uh, maybe the true catharsis of the film, or the, the, the true um, uh, moral of the story that comes out is, that, you know, the, I wonder who the real cameras are, right? That, that, yeah. that scene really kind of sums it all up for me as well. Uh, discussing the, the, the similarities between both of them, right? You can see, you can't distinguish who the true quote unquote savages are out of this. Uh, 
you know, out of this footage that they've made because obviously Alan has proved done so much nasty things um, that you you say you're cannibals are the ones eating you know these these other humans for their own benefit right yeah consuming these other humans for their own benefit yeah because because of what the people documenting them went there and did mm. that that's right i'm understanding your mm. point because okay it's like it's like the question of is the, are the people viewing it and observing it and then obviously interacting beyond what they should have interacted are they worse than the actual people who are mm. living their lives and doing that's it right. that way yeah. We skipped another scene too, the scene by the river with the baby. <laughs> you know, I wanted to circle back to it. I'm so glad you brought it back. I'm uh, not glad I remembered it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep. Infanticide is not something no. that uh, you know it, humans obviously don't do. It's against the law. It's murder. Yep. It, you know, birth a baby. If somebody then takes the baby and kills it. That's going to be against the law. Mm. However, we are the primates of the out of the ordinary in that sense because other primates do that. Other animals do that. Mm. Uh, chimps, bonobos, gorillas will do that. They'll do it either as a territory control or you know population control. Who knows? I mean, there's definitely different reasons for why they do it, but. Mm it is something that happens naturally in nature. And you see this in this movie and we don't know why. Yeah. They don't explain why. There's just this woman on the river and these other women are surrounding her and you can tell that she's pregnant because she's got a large belly and then two or three of the women are spreading her legs and trying to get inside her. And then, yeah, they don't show much of that, but you do see a little red being, a little, little red looking fetus, not a gory looking thing, but go into the hands of someone and then into the beach <laughs> and then the cover whole, up with the mud. The clay. Yeah. Yeah. Cover the mud. yeah. Uh, that scene's tough too. That scene is so tough. And then they, they begin to beat her over the head. Uh, to, and then there is some, there is some voiceover. I think it's the, you know, the crew is filming this scene and you know, the documentary crew is filming the scene. They say something about the poison now, but I, I don't, you don't really get all that much idea of what is specifically happening within that other than you know total shock that you know that um killing this baby but uh to even uh add on to that when talking about jumbo holocaust earlier and there's a similar scene within that where um uh the, the main character himself is escaping from the island with this this girl that he's took from the tribe right he's he's broken away from the tribe and uh come across this woman on the on the river herself who is giving birth to uh, a baby you know, right there on the river no one else around just giving birth to this baby on the river and they're, they're peeking around to, to look at it and the lady uh, the tribesman pulls the baby out and checks the gender and sees that it's female and then just yeets that baby into <laughs> the river she just what? yeets it into the river it yeah. is it, so it's it's uh, not for sure. It seems to be uh, a theme that pops up at least in you know his cannibal, his cannibal movies, which are cannibal movies in and of itself. But she, yeah, uh, to me that scene was um, yeah, it's despite a little bit more comedic than it is in this <laughs> cannibal holocaust, right? Like uh, I could choose the word ye specifically because it's so it's so out of the blue that Sadie checks the gender and then just throws it? the baby into the river. Um, but this you know cannibal holocaust is totally different. It's 
go through the step of digging the hole in the in the clay for the baby and then covering it in mud and killing the the would be mother herself and then yeah the next scene. So the mother must have, if we're gonna look back on what they did show us, you know what we do know about these tribes is the mother must have done something wrong. Mm. Maybe she was pregnant from someone else in the tribe that she, yeah some sort of thing and nobody found out until i guess at that point mm-hmm. i mean it's hard to go it's hard to believe when you're naked walking around that you could cover up a pregnancy for nine months yeah. but we don't know if she's at nine months yeah we just know that she's visibly pregnant you know they don't do a lot of it's a very short scene mm-hmm. and i'm not really sure why it's in the it's movie yeah, yeah because, other than to show the sheer maybe brutality that does sometimes exist beyond the first rape scene that we see i mean that that one was brutal enough now you gotta sh- show something else here not only will you we do this to you if you're a woman and you're an adulterer you know we will find you pin you down by the river tie you up and rape you with a big stone and then beat you over the head with it, same mm-hmm. stone. But if you get pregnant out of whatever, yeah. and you're not supposed to be, we will take your baby and throw it in the mud. Mm-hmm. Like, whoa, yeah. all right. These people don't mess around. They clearly have some kind of ritualistic code <laughs> that they're something ritualistic, just like the other pieces of the film. Totally, like you mentioned, the, the, the adultery ritual from the beginning. And ritual what might you know be the impaling that we, we saw earlier yeah but. which could be again we don't know for sure we don't know if that girl that's impaled by the river is yeah, yeah. the same thing or if the documentary crew did it but nonetheless the point is not a very hospitable place for women of any kind <laughs> whether or not it's it's horrifying maybe we circle back and put a trigger warning <laughs> well, I mean, it, is, it is horrifying and in no way are we glorifying the land it's no it's, no yeah. it's 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 disgusting it's it's horrible it's very very hard to watch um but it does i think it does lead to parts of the film it does set up your emotions for the documentary crew at the end of the film when they jump in these interviews right and that's um that i do feel is, is kind of part of it yeah either the people the tribes people get their revenge or the jungle gets their revenge however you want to state it but like you said they get their comeuppance they get what's coming to them uh they're not left high and dry they're not famous Uh, you know you're well you might be but you're going to enjoy your fame from the ever after Mm. wherever that might be uh, from the belly of these tribes people because they're not going to fucking eat you (laughs) because <laughs> of the shit you did uh so good luck with that uh, your your oscar might be in um what, what do they say post posthumously posthumously yeah. yeah posthumously or however you say that word so have fun there because uh, you were shitty people yeah so yeah i i think you're you're right on there like that might have been the kind of overall effect of it i don't know what the filmmaker was really trying to say i mean what do you kind of take on that what's your thought i think maybe he'd started with that premise right like um uh, although i'd read that uh Ruggiero got the idea of the film from an actual documentary crew that got lost in the 
the woods. And I think his thoughts were what would happen if they uh, found those tapes, right? What would be on those tapes? Right? Sure. And then, um, you know, from there, uh, kind of might have grown to his, you know, his previous films and you know the genre itself the cannibal genre being so popular at the time that maybe it would turn in that direction but um i i like to think that he probably started with uh with, with you know the, the theme of it being that you know don't eat cannibals while coming back okay so it could be yeah i mean he's is he still alive yes he is he's still alive and actually we were going to talk maybe we go into a little bit of reception of the film yes now that we've kind of talked about what happened afterwards i mean we kind of skipped over the music part which for me was a big part but it's uh, if you've seen it you know there's no way you can forget this music it's very strange you know uh the the composer is riz ortolani and um I guess he's really. I bet. I bet he's a fan of film. No one, no one knows films that they were into, but uh, it, it is really haunting. It's, yeah. it's eerie, and it totally hits you out of the blue. You know, <laughs> at, at the beginning, yeah, complaints, sweet, yeah, really. It's, it just shifts on a dime. Right? It, it just changes so so quickly in the first. Really gritty, gruesome scenes. It, it changes into this haunting, eerie. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I mean, it's a lot of synths uh, in certain parts, or a lot of synths, a lot of clicks, a lot of drums. But then later, you know, the more eerie scenes are a lot more strings, a lot yeah. more uh, sad sounding music, and, and funny to even say like that. Uh, bellowing. When, yeah, that's the way I. You know, it's a bellow. Breaking up. But when asked about why he chose, well, Joe asked Riz Ottolani to to join in on it, he uh, quoted, he's quoted as saying that he liked his music because it was very sad. Well, yeah. uh, Okay. (laughs) Yeah. It was. It's probably in a minor key. I don't know a lot about music, but usually, you know, minor keys are are more sad. You know, I, I don't understand the math or the dynamics of that because it doesn't really make sense. It's all just sound, but minor keys have a sad sound to them. And maybe you've got a music podcast. What up? <laughs> <laughs> you tell it. Yeah, well, awesome. yeah. I don't We're know. not ones to speak. I play no, the trumpet. I don't have the education. Uh, I know some of it has to do with not being resolved. It doesn't get resolved. That sound, you know, where they're whatever note it might be, A minor, B minor, whatever, it, it doesn't get resolved. It doesn't come back to a major chord. If you play an A minor on a guitar and then you play an A, they're very dis- different and distinct sounds. And if you leave on an A minor, you're a little down. And if you now switch it to the A, you resolve it, to, so to say, and you feel better. So yeah. maybe that's what uh, kind of he was aiming for. Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, but it was it's distinctive you don't not hear it uh, they make a point of the editing where there's no other sound it's just the music and like i said it's this bellowing <laughs> you know yeah it's my interpretation well yeah impression yeah and the synths really tie in a lot really um, 
the really uh, uh, gruesome and somber scene that really had all the strings kicked up. Yeah. Totally like this. It really works. Yeah. Totally. So, uh, that being said, uh, going more into, I guess, the making of it, I would love to know what, what do you think was the budget? If I'm going to be optimistic, maybe a million. Ooh, you were given a lot of credit. <laughs> <laughs> because, I don't know, they you've already told me. All they paid these people in was lunch. They were real, uh, you know, tribes people, whether they were deep Amazon or, you know, on the edge Amazon type people. It doesn't really matter. The fact that remains is they were... Amazon type people, so you didn't have to pay them. No, you're on location. Uh, your location costs are going to be very minimal, uh, except for bug spray, tents, no air conditioners, that sort of stuff. Your food would probably be very minimal. You don't have a big cast of characters. You've got your five people on one side, and then your what three or four people on the group that's going to get them mm-hmm. and then once you get back to new york you've got the board people or the film people and then you know the, again you have the professor there so there's not a lot there mm-hmm. um yeah, yeah well so you i mean you hit the nail on the head on a lot of uh the pieces that make up it you just gave a lot of credit to the, <laughs> to the <laughs> it's not there budget estimated a hundred thousand <gasps> Whoa, yeah, it was 10 times as much. 100,000. And I think even what you you mentioned, you know, uh, actors uh, are maybe union actors, but they're kind of, you know, they're they're unnamed actors, right? Um, Picking up careers. Yeah. Um, I know Carl had talked about doing commercials and things like that, but really trying to get his foot in the the industry. So part of that is using some unnamed actors, um, even on top of that, Professor Harold Monroe, which is actually Robert Charles Croonan. Uh, he's actually a former porn star. Oh, really? Italian. Uh, I gotta go check it. Uh, porn star breaking into the film industry, and uh, eventually went back to porn after this because he couldn't get any more work after he came back. Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't think you. Uh, I don't think you put that on your resume. I don't I, know. Yeah, actually, um, there were some parts too where Carlo talked about um, uh, in the the production time it took for them. So I think maybe what. It, that was 77 is when they originally shot it, and then um, 80 is when it came out. I, I, I don't okay. remember exactly where, but uh, he'd said that uh, he had it on his resume for a while when he was going to other castings and they'd ask about it, but nobody had seen the movie at the time because it hadn't come out. So it was really tough to talk about those things. But he did uh, say that, you know, having that on the resume was a conversation starter in and of itself. So, like you said, right? It's, yeah. See Cannibal Holocaust, you're like, I don't know what you can. <laughs> not only by the title but now if you if you actually connect with somebody in that era or in that realm that uh the hollywood realm the film industry now that they have if they had seen it at that point now it's a great conversation starter you know so, so much of a higher conversation starter if they had seen it mm-hmm. so okay yeah released in 1980 mm-hmm. and then what happens so released where? Next, I'm curious to know what you think the earnings could possibly be. Well, if they made it for a hundred grand, they might have. Well, I don't know. Uh, not knowing anything about the theatrical release and it's true. No, I didn't, whatnot. I didn't go into that. Shit, I, maybe maybe it made a million. 
Hmm. Huh? I don't know. So, uh, what I gotten uh, is reported as it was in theaters um, for uh, what sounded like a total of 10 days before it getting banned. <laughs> 10 days before it got banned. And then remember, there's no uh, studio picking it up at this point. Um, well, I'll, I'll touch on that. So, 10 days uh, before it's been banned, and in that 10 day period, it grossed about $1.9 million. Okay. So, it's successful, so to say. But. Per Ruggiero, an interview that I watched with him, uh, uh, talking about it. Now, this is per him, uh, and this is years and years after. I think it was. I think the interview was probably filmed in um, in the thousands. But uh, either way, uh, he had said approximately two hundred million what? re-releases and things like that. So, over time, I guess become you know being the controversial film it is, two hundred million. Whoa. That's crazy to think of. I mean, that I don't. I'm not the best at math. What that exponential growth is, but if you make we're, we're not a math podcast. Yeah, no, 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 we're not trying to do that. We're not doing math. But if you made it for a hundred grand, and you made even even if we cut that in half and say he was being, uh, you know, braggadocious or whatever. Say, if he made a hundred million, mm-hmm. you now made a thousand times your money. You know. That's a ridiculous thousand. And actually, that's a tough part. Is uh, in the interview, I couldn't necessarily tell whether he was saying a hundred million or two hundred million. What I initially heard was a hundred million. I, I wrote that down in my notes, but then uh, researching other uh, areas, they said two hundred million in the interview. So um, either way, you, you hit the nail on the exponential, right? Like, yeah, I can't. I couldn't believe in that ten days it had grossed one point nine million at that point. Um, but then I guess uh, going even more into that specifically, right, is the, the reception of it. So it played for a week in New York and actually earned an X rating. Oh, okay. Right, X rating. So that probably, I mean, it, it already, you know, well, who knows whether in this case it was a positive thing for branding and purposes like uh, like that, right? There, um, There's a great documentary um, that's called This Film Is Not Yet Rated, and it's all about the rating system, the MPAA rating systems, yeah. and, and how um, like monopolized that is. A lot of famous directors come out and talk, talk shit about, like John Waters come out and talk shit about. Granted, he's a very controversial director too. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, it, it's not the, a, an objective, or it's not. A, it, it's a subjective system. Yeah, you can yeah. manipulate it basically. Like if yeah. you want your movie to get a rating that's going to get you know more of an audience, an R rating. Or because certainly you slap an NC seventeen rating on any film now. It's going to reduce the amount of money. Yeah, I don't even know if they show those in theaters, do they? Uh, I I think they would. Might be select yeah. theaters, right? Uh, more independent type theaters. Yeah, like right. Draft house or something like that. But um, it, uh, part of the thing that they do discuss in that is is really the um, uh, the toll it takes on the movie itself in its correct. Theatrical. Even if you go from just an R to a PG thirteen, yeah. you know, type rating, which is uh, probably not the biggest thing now. But if you're, it depends on what area you're trying to target. What kind of, uh, what's your market? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're trying to target twelve to sixteen year old people, now you've all of a sudden gotten an R rating. Oh, uh, you might be in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, even then, you hit that NC seventeen, and there are a lot of great parts of the documentary. Talk, they talk about um, things that they have to cut from the film to get that or 
painting. And in a lot of times, it's not clear on what it is. Sure. They, they just tell them, this movie's getting this NC-17 rating, and it takes a lot for these directors to get feedback on what do I cut to get this to an R rating so I can release it in a... You know, I'll have to watch that. It is really... I've got it. I'll watch it. How, how many times can you submit it? And what's the... Like, I'm curious, like, what's the time frame? If I submit it on you know, May 1st, am I looking to get a review within 10, 15 days or is it a line or how do they do that? No, 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 no. That's they a good didn't question. describe that? No, no. Mm-hmm. no well, it's, it's probably more like two years or three years since I've seen it. And it's got to be at the end, obviously it would be at the end of the process of your movie because you have to have it yeah. edited and read. scored and whatnot and you're sending it to them. It's like, here's my completed, because you can't go back and then add stuff to it. Mm-hmm. I, would, I mean, I don't know how they like seal it how do they? Yeah. How do they prevent you from doing that? Well, you can do you can do reshoots and things, and then there's um, you know. Oh, you're saying yeah. Like if you get after you get order, the rating, you can do reshoots and things like that. But after afterwards, yeah. yeah so after you can't you, can, you can't resubmit after you. No, now you're. Uh, I mean, what do they do? How do you get like? It's not. It's not like a certificate of authenticity where you put the stamp over something over a box and you know if the seal has been broken. It's a film. Yeah. You don't know unless they go watch it again and they're like, "Wait, that was not what we approved." I mean, I don't know. That's a. I think you would have to you'd have to submit it again. So you make any changes, you probably submit it again. Get yeah, but how do they know if you make changes? That's what I I'm think because you, you you resubmit it and you talk about the changes that you made. I'm, I'm sure it probably comes with it. Now, uh, now we're getting a, a whole. Other <laughs> we way. I have no we idea. Got a rabbit probably maybe do some research and talk about it. Again I'll ask. <laughs> I'll ask Nori. <laughs> How do you get your film rated? Uh-huh. What does this process work well, out? His case, he probably didn't even have to have his his rated specifically. I don't know if you have to have documents. Oh yeah, you're right. You're and right. Then, and then he released. Uh, well, then they toured with it, right? And specifically, not yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then now it's it's just available. Right now it's just available through the live stream. But then you know they're putting it. They're sending DVDs yeah. to people. So and maybe it's just not a rated film. Every yeah. film doesn't have to be rated, it right? Have to be rated. To be uh, unless you're released in a like, old way. theatrical. Yeah. So in that okay. case, right? I mean, you'll, you'll see it again. But, yeah. yeah. But, but anyway. now, now we're talking about something totally different too. I don't think anybody's <laughs> gonna get it. We're just talking about it. <laughs> we might have to get that part off. Whatever. But, so okay, two hundred million. Go ahead. Yeah. Two hundred million. Yeah. No, no, no. You, That's you, crazy. You mm-hmm. That's wild. But it only ten days in a theater. So that means, so it made $2 million in those 10 days. So the majority, obviously, 98% of the money was from what? I think it, uh, I'm pretty certain it was a worldwide release at that point because we do hear about the UK, Italy, and New York all getting these. So, or at least, if not worldwide, released in, in multiple locations, right? So we do have the release of this film. Also, uh, to add on to it, uh, we do know of Japan. Japan got it. And in that interview with Carl, the, there's a super interesting part where Carl talks about his sister, who was living in Japan at the time when they released the film, and uh, actually saw it in theaters at the film. And it was a huge hit in Japan. And it's the second highest grossing film in 1983 behind, I would love to know what you think it is behind. It's the second grossing second film. Second highest grossing film in Japan in 1983. In- in Japan, in Japan, behind another film, in, like Jaws. No, no Jaws would have been earlier. No, it's, uh, it's Spielberg. Though. 
Spielberg. E.T.? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, really? <laughs> wow. I mean, yeah, E.T. E. is a completely different realm. Polar opposites. Yes. Boy. <laughs> wow. Uh-huh. Both, I would say both very, you can call them cult classic kind of movies mm-hmm. because E.T. would have its own following, uh, you know, of that. People grew up with it. I, I Correct. Grew up with it. I actually yeah. hate E.T. I don't know He's if kidding. I've ever met. You hate E.T.? I hate it. When I was a kid, it's scared, it scared oh, the shit out of me. E.T. scared the shit out of me. You want to make fun of me, just say I scared the love. No. <laughs> well, that neck scene is pretty traumatic. <sighs> I mean, when his neck, yeah, as a little kid, that's that's tr- some traumatic shit. But in front of the shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's got those giant eyes and weird <laughs> shaped head, you know. Scared the fuck out of Reese's Pieces. <laughs> okay, so... Huge in Japan, mm-hmm. but obviously it was banned other countries as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I'm sure as a theater owner or whoever decides to release that, I guess you release it because you want to make money initially. But then somebody gets wind of what mm-hmm. actually happened and that they kill the turtle. Bastards. Mm-hmm. I'm still upset. I'm still upset. <laughs> and then they go, you know what? Mr. Ruggiero, or whatever your Italian name is, mm-hmm. get your film out, right? Yeah. Like, so it did result in bans. You, yeah. 100% correct there. Uh, it uh, was eventually banned in the UK, Italy, um, those two for sure. Now, I don't know for sure about the US uh, specifically, especially because um, in that interview with Carl, I talked a little bit about uh, United Artists were really close to picking it up. But eventually it got shut down after the film was seized by officials in Italy pending a lawsuit against Ruggiero. Okay. Now, I think we might have discussed this a little bit. I think this, you know, outside of our whole podcast idea, I might have told you a little bit about it because, you know, talking about maybe the concept of it or whatever else. But um, all this resulted in Ruggiero uh, being charged with the murder of all these crew. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He he was charged by by um, you know, Italian officials for the murder of, of this group because they I mean it was so believed that it was a snuff film uh, that uh, <laughs> he ended up getting ultimately arrested for for the film itself and uh, not I don't think it was immediate it actually uh, um, part of the marketing for the film you know uh, adding to the controversy. Uh, controversy in and of itself that uh, Ruggiero had asked the actors to lay low mm-hmm. for years actually in their contracts that they would lay low for a year to really um, you know um, lead to the belief that they that this is a true story and it, and actually when you go back and you look at some of the actual one sheets you know the original posters for the film itself it's, it's marketed as a documentary so you know uh, they really really harped on that so I could totally understand you know, that's part of the contract that he asked to, to add to the authenticity of it. And to yeah. ask them all to lay low. To hype it up some more. I get that. It's the same thing that they did with Blair Witch, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, maybe people were less likely to believe it in the Blair Witch Project days. Mm-hmm. But in those days, when you captured something on film, mm-hmm. uh, there wasn't all this inside information. There wasn't yeah. all this, you know... You don't have internet forums. Yeah. Talking about things. Exactly. You're just like, oh, yeah. 
that just happened. I just saw it. My eyes don't lie to me. Yeah. You know, internet marketing has all like made a bitter, a, a bigger impact in that time. Now, obviously, we don't have internet marketing for Kimball Holocaust. It's all word of mouth, but you know, yeah, Blair, Blair Witch, right? They had that whole website and things like that. But um, yeah, at the time, it's all uh, it, marketing's harder to debunk on you know those sorts of things at the time. Correct, and you start to get. Um, uh, if you got a following in that circle in 1980 of, hey, this is a real documentary. Check this out. This really happened. The, here's the footage. It got out. This is some scary shit, mm-hmm. but you need to watch it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's gory and it's really hard to watch, but it's a fucking train wreck. And <laughs> you're going to go watch it because you want to see that car crash going down the highway. You know, it's a head turner. Mm-hmm. So I, I can understand it. it. It's hard for us in today watching it, you know, in 2020 mm-hmm. because the effects are so much better. You can just tell. Obviously, I can tell. But back then, I don't think people would have been instantly gone, oh, that's not real. They would have been like, oh, uh, again, I saw it happen. It must be real. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you believe your eyes a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. Well, so with that, though, uh, Italian courts have charged Ruggiero for the murder. Everyone believes it's an actual snuff film. Uh, Basically, to what you said, actually going into court, he had to break his own contract with all these actors to allow them to show up. Okay. uh, uh, Show up in person and prove that they had not been murdered in this snuff film. And then on top of that, he even had to break down specifically how they did the pole scene, um, which is how we know how ultimately how we know that it okay they were about to commit suicide. So, uh, <laughs> so, so otherwise, thank you. Yeah, the court's they might not have given away the secrets yeah. behind the magic. Yeah, you know, if you want for that, yeah, mm-hmm. it's another time that you know I, I don't know when they started doing this in films, and I love it that they do do it because you can get some good insight and i'm a nerd and you know if i really like a movie i'm gonna try to watch mm-hmm. and check out everything i can on it yeah, you know yeah. um case in point was uh oh my gosh the christopher nolan movie inception mm-hmm. like buying that dvd and then literally sitting watching mm-hmm. all those extras and stuff and just finding all that information out we didn't have that back then in 1980 or 1983 or whenever you know that that were that time so you didn't get to know all of those things. You didn't get to see that behind-the-scenes stuff or the over-the-director's-shoulder kind mm-hmm. of viewpoint. And now we're lucky, and shit, we have people that are documenting the documenting of the film. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. different jo- different era. Yeah, that's genre. all part of it for, for modern movies. But there are a lot of, um, uh, I don't know if you call them studios necessarily. I, I like uh, you know, Vinegar Syndrome uh, Aero Video, there are a lot of uh, companies out there that are um, in turn uh, making documentaries and re-releasing uh, you know, Blu-ray and 4K versions of these movies and it may be years later that they come back and they bring the crew together and talk about specific parts of the film. And yeah. You know, you know, I've watched a couple for some of my favorites like Friday Night. And, uh, Where they're talking about you're watching mm-hmm. the movie and then in the background you've got the audio from the actual film turned down a little bit and then you're hearing the audio of the 
director. Oh, you said about commentaries? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no I'm not talking about like full-on documentaries. Oh, that, that okay. They, yeah, they, okay. they film these documentaries and they add it to, like like you said, the special features portion of the Yeah. Uh, as far as commentaries, I don't know so much. But, you know. I love those, too. Yeah. Like, those are just fun to watch. Sometimes you can get, if you get interesting people on there. One of the ones uh, watched recently was the, and this is not anywhere near our realm, but kind of fits into what we're talking about was Christmas Vacation mm. and watching that with like, you know, Beverly D'Angelo and a couple of the other people in there just commenting on you know, what was going on behind the scenes and how the shots came about and that sort of stuff. So that, that type of stuff is really interesting. But yeah, you can totally understand when you're watching this movie how at the time, if this got hyped up as being a real thing, it could be believable. Mm. You know, I, I get it, especially if you just watched clips of the part after they found the films, yeah. after they found that. And if all you watched was them harming the animals, you're like, oh, oh shit. Yeah. And I don't <laughs> know what a person looks like, a, a human body, mm. what they look like as you're trying to cut them, you know, sternum to belly button. Mm. I don't know what that looks like. So if I'm seeing it on the film, if you're showing me this is what it looks like, well then that must be what it looks like, yeah. you know? So admittedly, there are a couple of scenes in there where they're doing precisely that, and it does look a lot like acrylic paint. On yes. Yes. Yeah. But again, <laughs> if you're going into it with that early old, 80s, yeah, with a different kind of mindset, you could understand, and then you have a way different kind of feel for the movie. Like you're going to be, I don't know, it would have a, I don't know, it just. It would be so much more strange to to have that kind of belief and that mindset uh, as you walk in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't watch it again. Yeah. No, <laughs> I wouldn't watch okay. it again. So maybe uh, I'd love to know too. And then uh, actually, even on top of that, you said that you watched it with your girlfriend. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, what was? Um, she have some similar opinions? Yes. <laughs> Dude, we watched this movie, and then we watched, I think, two other movies, which were right around the same length and time, both around, you know, like 90 minutes or mm-hmm. an hour and 45. This was the longest movie mm-hmm. that I felt like I've watched in a long time. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even that long. We were 50 minutes into it on a Sunday afternoon and stopped it to pause it for some reason. And we're like, What? There's that much more of this damn thing left. And it's not like it wasn't um, entertaining. Because there was parts of it that were entertaining. The dubbing is a different thing. It was just wide-eyed. Like, what are we watching? Like, this is... Emotionally draining. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's a good term for it. But you don't know what you're watching. And then, you know, you're seeing this brutality. That had to be after the turtle scene. Because that was the scene at which we were both kind of like, this is something weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> this is not right. No. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, no, I wouldn't watch it again. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend anyone to watch this. Yeah. I'm saying that right now. If you've not seen this movie, don't watch it. No. <laughs> I don't know. The tur- Fast forward through the turtle scene. Yeah. You know. I think some of the, I think some of the fun around it is... is you know, the idea behind this whole podcast as well is making somebody watch it and then get their opinions on it. And yeah. Understand, you know, their, their feelings too, right? That's, 
you know, I, I recommend it because I know you can handle that sort of content, right? And you can watch it even if it is something that you want to come back to. But you know, it's it truly is. I think it's a, I think it's a, a, a monumental type film for its genre for you know for the time, um, right? The time time frame. Yeah, right? like, like it really it has cemented itself as the most controversial film of all time. In my opinion, really. Uh, well, you think so? Granted, there are some that we might watch together that are, or for the podcast that are, you know, well, I have some plans for some really wacky ones, but you know, in, in my opinion, it's it's more gruesome than any film I've ever seen. So, but I, I mean, yeah, and you've obviously watched a lot more of these types of movies, but you know, I can tell you, the movie Seven mm-hmm. for me is one that like. I still, you say that, I think about the first time watching that and it's visceral. It's mm-hmm. a reaction that I had that was like, holy shit, what did I just watch? And that gut-wrenching drop that you experience when you're watching that movie. But like almost at the same time, this one was worse. <laughs> you know, this was worse. <laughs> like that... Just, I, th- I think it was like the animal brutality, and you knew that it was real, and there was no reason to do that. Mm-hmm. But that, what kind of reaction did he get um, after people found out, you know, whether it was obvious through their own mm-hmm. eyes or whether he admitted, you know, or the cast admitted through these stories? What what did people say to him? No, I'd, I'd seen some reports that uh, he regretted the making of the film. Hmm. Um, Unfortunately, that is just something that I want to solve while we're browsing through some trivia on, on IMDb. Uh, obviously, it's kind of like Wikipedia. It's all self-reported information. Yeah. So I, I take that with a grain of salt. Um, uh, uh, but I think it's uh, something else. Part of it said that it was due to the, the animal cruelty in it that, that added to it. And I think maybe that's that's the part that's, that's really tough. But I, I think it does kind of set it apart from other cannibal films at the time, right? It's, it's not all, um, you know, it's, it's, it's got that gritty realism to it that yeah. you pick up from those scenes that, that add to it. But um, uh, other than that, I'd also heard that a couple others uh, uh, had regretted being a part of the film as well. But uh, I think, uh, you know, that's, you know, that's tough to say. And then this is just, uh, this isn't well-researched part of it. <laughs> it's just some no. things that I'd, I'd heard. I mean, I bet he doesn't talk about it too much. It uh, kind of sounds like he probably... There were a couple of interviews, but uh, I don't think he explicitly said too much of it. So you're probably right. You know, what, what I was saying is he didn't elaborate too much on his thoughts of it, just more on the making, yeah. making side of it as well. But then uh, on top of that, it's what got added, what added it to the list of video games, which I've, I've said multiple times, I realized I haven't explained it. It was... Uh, um, sense of hysteria in the time and the making of these films uh, in the UK and I, I think it uh, lived in the US as well but uh, where these uh, you know exploitation and you know, exploitative movies were labeled as video nasties and were banned from being released in, in several countries. Um, UK I think being one of the biggest spirits. Huh. So. There's a Another Nicolas Cage movie that's about snuff films. It's not a good movie. It's not bad. Eight millimeter. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've never seen it. So when you say that, that's my thought. 
Like that's where my mind goes to. You should watch that one. It's it's all right, but it's like he dives into trying to find the genesis of how this snuff film came about, or whether it was actually a snuff film. Mm. Him and Joaquin Phoenix, mm. Nicholas Cage, Joaquin Phoenix. Um, oh, both. Yeah, I, well, Nicholas Cage. <laughs> we'll watch some that'll change your opinion. Okay, but so when you said that, I kind of understood it because that was my that, that movie's got to be you know, 15 years old or so. Um, but I had an understanding of just that term and that uh, world from that film. So, like, it's this underground kind of film. And in that movie, he's trying to find who made this film and this girl being, you know, raped and killed. And first off, trying to find out if she was really raped and killed. And then if she was, uh, you know, where is she? Who did this? And going into this whole... Um, kind of exploration on it so i understood that term i this doesn't have the same kind of ishiness for me mm-hmm. i guess it, only in the sense that you know i didn't know that animals <laughs> were killed in it <laughs> but even that's bad enough uh, you know I, I don't know it's uh yeah, yeah. It's, it's not the same as you know obviously it's, it's killing people or raping real people but it still had that same effect of this is awful to be sitting there watching because it's a creature uh, on earth and you just ended its life for your film. Which to me, I think, really is in part what cements it, like I said, as that one of the most controversial films. Okay. And yeah, I, I say that like I'm, I'm groundbreaking and saying that. No, it is no. a lot of people suggest it. So they're not you. You don't have any more films on tap that have grotesque animal cruelty that you're going to subject me to. What about animal cruelty? I've, uh, there are some that are worse, but <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that are, are claimed to be. I'm pushing the title for that, but yeah, we, we've we've got some fun ones. I think uh, uh, you know we'll, we'll. I think from here we'll do some some of those really controversial films. I think some fun ones like Pink Flamingos, like that one. I think entertaining and fun then uh I, if if we muster the courage uh you know serbian film which is what i'm talking about it's, it's supposed to be um runner up for you know most controversial film of all time and then uh probably some fun ones from from some directors that were really big at the time uh, as well you know Luigi fulci which i've men- mentioned uh you know dario argento uh, but then maybe even do some toby hooper and you know some of those no more from this guy. Pretty. pretty. <laughs> no Mr. Pajario, whatever the hell. Uh, Cut and Run was fun. Cut and Run was fun. I think you'd enjoy that because it wasn't as, you know, it wasn't as um, well, that gritty. Realistic. We might have to follow up with that one then, so maybe I can get a little bit of a, and it was after. Yeah, that one was after. And then uh, Jungle Holocaust, I think it was. I think that was 77. Maybe that's what that one was before. But yeah, that, that one was prior. And then those three really make up this cannibal trilogy. Okay. But uh, Jungle Holocaust had some great parts to it. Um, but all in all, it was, definitely a little, it was definitely a little strange. Uh, but Cut and Run, I thought it was just fun, fast and loose action. It was, it's a good one. I think, I think that one you'd, you'd probably appreciate uh, a lot. And maybe we talk about it, maybe not. Yeah, you know, maybe it's something we revisit later. But I think we've got some fun. Well, that was Cannibal Holocaust. You uh, 
enjoy the fucked up shit that <laughs> just <laughs> disgusting. If anybody watched it after listening to us talk about it, right, they're, right. they're real brave people. I'm sure we got plenty of people who are like, oh no, that's not that's I'm, not happening. Yeah, that's I'm, not. I'm never going to put that on my TV. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, thank you all for listening. Uh, seriously, subscribe, leave a review if you liked it. And if you didn't, maybe fix yourself. I don't know what the fuck is wrong with you. Uh, maybe look internally. Uh, <laughs> take a step back and look at yourself. Um, jokes aside, though, follow us on you know all the social media, right? Facebook, Instagram. The Instagram name is at Horrible Podcast. Yes, sir. You got that. And share it with your mommies and daddies, you fucking masochist. You <laughs> tell your nieces and nephews about us, right? Uh, talk about it at the family Christmas party. You know. <laughs> Yes. Help us. This, this is great Thanksgiving uh, conversation because that's coming up. You yeah. know, grassroots marketing, man. We got to get up there. We gotta, I know. We gotta that's tell what it's people. all about. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. And girls. Oh yeah. Okay, so. That too. <laughs> 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 <laughs>